Sump City Radio and Necromunda podcast may contain profanity and mature content, not suitable for Jews younger than 14 years of age. Listener discretion is advised. The hosts of Some City Radio, Chris Underhiver, Eden, and Hive Scum Steve. Welcome, listeners, to the fourth broadcast from Some City Radio. I, as always, am Hive Scum Steve. And with me is regular show host Chris Underhiver Hidden. Too kind, too kind. Really, really warms my heart to see you all here and to think of all of the cred. I mean, the people who have come here to hear great music, eat great food, courtesy of our very own Cannabella, but most importantly, to support Sub City Radio. Yeah, hi, babe. You join us today along with thousands of others, listeners, here in the heart of Sun City. Um, we are on the main stage of Hive Aid. Hey, Chris, let me try something. Ew! 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 
<laughs> All right. Just a heads up, guys, for anyone that has bought punch from Klaus's stall, please report to the Medikai tent, and for fuck's sake, do not, I repeat, do not attempt to walk back to your hab alone. Thank you. <laughs> God, did he get a license for that? Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, so, anyway, guys, it's not just me and Chris hosting on this episode. No, 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 no. We have a guest host with us for today's broadcast. So let's get him out here on the main stage of Hivade. Please give a warm Sump City welcome to Kevin from Promethean Forge. Hello, citizens of Sump City. Great to see you all. Well, uh, most of you anyway. Um, thanks for uh, coming out tonight to, to aid. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you very much for joining us, Kev. Hey Kev, it's so great to meet you and really glad that you could join us on this momentous occasion and for the uh, closing of uh, High Vid. Um, but don't worry guys, the party's going to continue from the Sub City shack, so when you all get back to your hubs, just make sure to tune in to Sub City Radio because we've got a hell of a show for you today. Okay, well, yeah, even though Kevin's joining us here at Hive Aid now, it's actually the end of the festival. It's been going on for the last two cycles now anyway, so uh, it's been a while. Um, but I know it's going to be sad that you're going to be leaving you. However, I would like to thank everyone that's come out to support the cause and donate to support the show. We'd also like to remind you that if you didn't get a chance to donate, you can always hop onto a terminal and go to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Radio. In addition to that, I have had some people say to me that they would prefer not to go through Patreon and instead just make sure we get all of the money. So if you want to go through PayPal, you can do that now with our email address, sumpcityradio at gmail.com. Uh, okay, so I'd also just like to extend our thanks to all of the bands that agreed through one means or another to play the, uh, the festival. So Rage Against the Machine Spirit, thank you very much. Uh, Robert Plague Zombie, thank you. The Boomtown Ratskins, Maroon Hive. Mad Don, uh, I mean Donna Yolandi, and of course our headliners, Guns and Fungus. Now, before we disappear back to the studio to do the rest of the broadcast, let's tell you all what's coming up on the show today. First up, as always, we'll be handing over to Sump City's own Natomi Scalto for the Atmospherics Report. After which, hopefully, me, Chris and Kevin will have made it back to the studio in time for Rapid Fire, the segment where we rattle through what we've been up to in the time since the last show. After Rapid Fire, we'll be going to Pomwell Brass Bolt, our Cordor News Correspondent, for a public service announcement. Then back in the studio, we'll be in for another jam-packed hot in the hive as we discuss all of the latest Necromunda news and cool things that we've seen recently. Next, we'll be hearing from returning show associates Blitz and Cree. Then we'll actually not be returning to the war room with tactical genius Jess Lee Simpkins because we were going to cover Goliath, but guess what's just landed today? House of Chains. So there's been a lot of changes made to them. So instead, we're actually going to push that back to next month and make sure we cover it in a good amount of detail. Then it's over to Becky Boone with her bestest battle gear. After which we're on to Shooting the Shears, where this time we'll be talking about the Murder Cyborg scenario and tactics cards. As we let that settle into our squishy brain matter, we'll be hearing from a new show associate, Salacious Paul. And then we'll wrap up the show with your letters and thank yous. Right, well, uh, that's it for Hive Aid, guys. Kev, I don't know if you want to say anything to the crowd just before we head off. 
Um, I had nothing witty prepared. I'm so sorry. No, that's right. No worries. <laughs> well, just before we hand over to Natomi, Chris, we're going to get Guns and Fungus back out here for one last song to close Hive So, ladies and gentlemen, can you guess which song it's going to be, Chris? It's your favourite one. Oh, yeah, you know it's Welcome to the Subhole. Yeah, let's get back at it now. See you back in the studio. Thanks, fellas. Well, if I hadn't seen it myself, I wouldn't have believed it. It seems that over the last few cycles, the decrease in dome-wide temperatures have led to a cascade of troubles for some city. Who would have thunk? The first came the low temperatures that caused the pipes on the dome ceiling to burst. That in turn led to further deterioration of the outer dome wall, which then led to a collapse and an inrush of toxic air and moisture. This manifested itself in the form of a flurry of quick-settling, mildly radioactive ice crystals and ash. So-called experts have called this whitish substance snur, and over the next few days it is expected to settle in the dome. For some reason, the juves of some city have been compelled to roll around in it and throw it at each other. However, this was swiftly broken up by lawfully enforced beatings from the enforcers. It seems the cold temperatures haven't deterred people arriving in the Sump City area though, as they've been camping out for the Hive-Aid music festival that just ended. Oh, which reminds me, good news for scavengers! What with the festival, there will no doubt be plenty of unattended belongings to pinch from the makeshift shelters that were set up for the festival goers. Also, once everyone's buggered off, left the sump to return to their homes, there will be mountains of refuse and shit for scavengers to pick their way through. Cause simply put, that's what people do nowadays, isn't it? Bollocks to taking stuff away with them after the festival, dirty bastards. Anyhow, that's the atmospherics report for the Sump City area. Now, back to the studio. I know you're gonna dig this. You're all listening to Sump City Radio. Thank you very much, Natomi. Right, okay. So, we're in the uh, the yard of Sum City Radio, uh, so I think that our listeners by now know what that means. That's right, it's Rapid Fire! Rapid Fire! Oh, yeah. That long enough? <laughs> yep. Okay, so Rapid Fire, and we've got a special guest here with us. It's Kevin from Promethean Forge. Hello, Kevin. Hello. Right, okay, I'll go through the rules with you, Kevin. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, a horse picks up a gun. It's either an auto pistol or a stub gun, or we can raise the funds for something more killy, uh, or daca-filled, as uh, Guns and Fungus would like to say. After each... Hopefully after Hive Aid, we should be able to. Well, fingers crossed, you know what I mean? Uh, that's if I haven't spent it all on uh, jazz mags and beer. Uh, right. <laughs> Okay, so after each Necromunda-related thing that the host mentions, so um, 
anything you've been up to, anything hobby-wise, anything Necromunda related, which I'm sure there's uh, tons of things, what with you running a Necromunda terrain company, you uh, take a shot at the target down the range. Now, obviously, your auto pistol's not as reliable over the range, so it's less likely to hit, but you scatter shots, so it's, uh, you're getting more bullets out at the time. Uh, the stub gun's more reliable, but you only get the one shot, fired each time. Um, we'll total the shots up at the end, and uh, for any full minutes left over out of your five-minute allowance, the score is multiplied. So if you have one minute left, your score is multiplied by two. If you have two minutes left, your score is multiplied by three. If you have three minutes left, your score is multiplied by four. And if you have four minutes left, and you didn't do very much, but you, or you did lots and you managed to get it all out in a, a very quick uh, succession, then you times by five. Is that straightforward enough? Got it. <laughs> all right, I think Good. I, uh, Kevin's looking rather dazed. <laughs> Basically, say something cool that you did, point the gun down range, fire it, and we'll work out the rest. I can handle that. <laughs> right cool. That's so, what she said. Come right. on. We're all about hospitality at some city radio, so Kevin, if you wouldn't mind, pick a weapon. Would you like to have an auto pistol or a stub gun? I think I'm in more of a spray and pray mood today, so I'll take yeah. the auto pistol. Oh, you don't, you there, you are, sir. Right, you might find that the handle's a little bit sticky. Just don't lick your hands after firing. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Who used this last? <laughs> this is... Yeah, we're not answering that. <laughs> Actually, it might have been me. I don't know. <laughs> I swear it was cleaned. <laughs> yeah. Right, in which case then, Chris, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, keep the eye on time for Kevin here. Nice one. Okay. Right. right, Kevin, have you got your hands on your weapon? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Went all Klaus then, didn't I? Um, right, in which case then, on your marks, get set, go. All right, well, it's been uh, a busy busy recent time. First thing was um, a recent release with a uh, Corpse Grinder model. Um, we ended up calling that the uh, Protein uh, Smoothie Maker, so that's kind of cool. Um, ah, I like it. It also does margaritas, uh, we found out the other uh, the other night. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun to, to put that together, and I think it's kind of uh, matching thematically with some new gangs that we've been seeing in the Underhive. Um, so uh, that is currently available in the U.S. and uh, hopefully in other places soon as well. Nice. Right, do you want to take a shot down range then, Kev? Yeah, I think I see the target. Okay, that's uh, two out of three. That's not bad for an auto pistol. I'll take it. Right, what else you got? Um, next up, I finally got uh, my next gang painted for my next uh, campaign I have lined up with my, my group here. Um, I'm uh, going old school a little bit and rocking an Orlock gang. Um, always, always wanted to play the House of Iron there. So, uh, nice. yeah, got a great looking set of models, and I'm excited to get those on the table. Sweet. Sweet. Right. You know what to do, Kev? Okay, uh, that looks like whoa, one out of three on that one. Not so lucky that time. That's all right. Can't hit them all. Um, all right, next up, uh, I finally got my hands on the Ambot kit. I've been eyeballing that for a long time, and a um, buddy of mine uh, picked it up for me, actually, and uh, put that together, and it is a sweet model. I cannot wait to get that thing on the tabletop. Yeah, so uh, much fun to build. Painted up. Yep, yep, it's ready to rock, so I'm excited about that. Awesome. Go for Ambots, then. Go, go, go. All right, okay, that was remarkably three hits. That's, that's uh, three for the Ambot there, all right? That's crazy levels. Yeah, all I right. think the Emperor's smiling on you, my friend. That's that's very impressive. Cool. You got anything else, Kev? Yeah, um, I'm working on... Uh, always got a couple uh, works in progress in the queue here, so um, I've got some new uh, tiles that I'm working on, um, that which would just be essentially a flat uh, layer of texture you can add to uh, the bottom of the tabletop there. And then hopefully everything compatible with all the fancy plastic stuff that everybody likes. Uh, since there seems to be a plastic shortage in the Underhive right now as far as uh, 
factory flooring, um, hoping to kind of fill that. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently so. Fill that niche with uh, with this product right here and give people um, a little bit more modeling options as far as not being afraid to cut it up. Um, so to make custom sized, you know, uh, platforms and, and areas in between walls and that kind of thing. Um, they could kind of hack and slash this stuff made out of, um, you know, the MDF and cardboard and uh, yeah. not be afraid to get a little wild with it. Awesome. Right. Go for it then, mate. Fire. Okay, right. One out of three again by the looks of it. Uh, right. What else we got, Kev? Time's a-wasting. Got right. anything else? Um, we got uh, two new exciting partnerships lined up, one a little bit sooner than another. Um, I am working with Foreground uh, there in the UK to um, start to hopefully uh, put the entire Prometheum Forge line out, and we are starting with the classic bulkhead set. Um, and Ooh, their nice. approach is real excited because it comes pre-painted. So uh, by the time you get the laser kind of scorch marks on there, uh, it looks really, really great. So um, that oh, so you're getting out. Promethean Forge stuff pre-painted. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of a, a variation on pre-painted. Um, you'll also see like a, a UV print uh, as as pre-painted, and, and this oh, is UV not print. that. It's a slightly different approach that they use. Um, which, um, yeah, looks great, uh, in, in my opinion. So they, they, they paint the material, and then they cut on top of the painting. And, um, yeah, so it, uh, it comes out looking pretty cool. And uh, with a little bit of extra paint on top of that, it should be tabletop ready. should be good to go. Sounds pretty sexy, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Right, okay, well, you've got about 40 seconds left, so I'd fire that gun if I were you. Oh, I think you might have been a little bit too excited from that last announcement because that was no hits at all. You've got 30 seconds. Have you got anything else left, Kev? Uh, one new partnership that's in development for those of you south of the equator. Um, yeah, that'll that'll be exciting news for you guys. Oh, right, go on then. I'll let you have that one. Go, go, go. All right, okay, that's, that's, that's one. Okay, we've got one. That's not bad overall, though, Kev. So your time is up there. So you've not got any multipliers, but you did get through quite a lot of shots. I think this auto gun thing is going to become a favourite of ours. In fact, I think we've used it quite a lot of them. Uh, so you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hits overall, but with no multipliers. So that's a total score of eight. All right, not accuracy all. through volume. We'll take it. Well done, cool. sir. Right. Well done. In which case, then, Kev, if you want to pass that back over here. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Okay, right. Get this reloaded. Okay, who's going next, Chris? You or me? Uh, go on, then. I'll have a crack. Nice. Right. Okay. I shall reset the timer for you, and get my BDIs ready on the targets down the end. Here is your freshly loaded order pistol. Okay. And um, just give me a go. Okay. In three, two, one, go. Okay. So I added to my corridor gang with an extra polearm uh, auto gun uh, wifey, um, and I'm start planning my sheen birds. Um, I'm looking for a squig rider to redo the little guy off the top of the um, stick shambler. Okay, right, I'm ready for a shot. And... Cool, go for it. Yeah, oh crikey, that's not going to do me any good favours. All three hits, right, go, go, go. Okay, so, uh, got the columns, walls and doors built from Dark Uprising. and everything else is clipped and cleaned. I haven't committed to actually sticking anything or anything yet, but I have the... Nice. Uh, Picked up a second set for very good money. Oh, he didn't. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell my wife. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope like she doesn't listen to the show, right? Uh, right. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, not so good that time. <laughs> it was oh, too, yeah. Not, yeah. It was too the It was the nerves of admitting that I bought another set, I think. Yeah, I <laughs> thinking about right. the wife. Okay, yeah. I've got some awesome Sisters of Battle bits ready for building my Esher uh, from Tony Sorry, Howell. Sorry, Sisters of Battle bits was that? Maybe. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll let the listeners rewind and, 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 and listen more carefully. Yeah, um, uh, Tony Howell sent us like a boulder, um, uh, sorry, heavy boulder, a boulder, heavy flamer, one of them cool cherubs which have been dying to get hold of because I think they're awesome. Um, and uh, rebreed the head with the bobbed hair, which I think looks cool, which is going to look badass on my Esher when I make them. Um, yeah, so cheers for that, Tony. What a ledge. Uh, okay, ready for it? Yeah. Oh, okay, right, making up for it. Three hits again. Hey, nice. that's more like it. I got my t competition prizes through. I won two competitions. I won one um, on Twitter, yeah, which jammy is... Bastard. I know, I caught all the full corpse grind a lot out of um, Dark Uprising, so my brother's got them. Uh, and then I won a competition on Instagram, um, and uh, that was just uh, 50 quids worth of random miniatures. It would be a surprise. You just give them an idea of what you want. And, uh, and she just basically sent me a load of boxes over from, uh, it's either Austria or Germany, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's a Germanic language, I didn't find out, we never communicated <laughs> any more than over Instagram, but uh, I got a box of Enforcers, so my brother's got them as well, so I'm winning competitions and giving the prizes away, it's not, it's not right, but I also got well, some... That's fair. Got some electro priests, um, some industrial terrain, like industrial terrain crate thing that I've seen on eBay a few times. I think I showed you a yeah. picture of it, Steve. Um, and some extra gribblies and bits and bobs. Okay. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Zero. They're hitting a miss, and ah, I can't get it right, man. This is ridiculous. Okay, okay, I've got more. So, um, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I've started building some of the terrain that I've been collecting from Conquest. So, uh, so far, I've built an Alchemite stack. I've got another one. One. Built a hematropic reactor, got another one. Built two of the mini servo haulers, got another two. And uh, built a servo crane, and I've got another one. Right. Nice. Okay, go for it. Focus. Okay, that's a respectable two out of three. Not bad. I felt the wind against me there as well. I adjusted. Um, okay, so uh, this is my last one. Okay, so I had a game uh, with Pete, who's my uh, regular uh, game tester at the moment. Thanks so much, Pete. He's very uh, hospitable and uh, let me over his house and let me play on his uh, awesome little board. Uh, we played Murder Cyborg and it was the debut um, battle for my uh, gang, The Unkindness, as well. So it was a pretty special day all around. And that's me. Last shot. Oh, one out of three. Well, not bad, not okay, bad. Okay, but bad. we're stopping the timer, and you have got a full... by full minute left. Whee! So that's a two times multiplier yeah. on that, so uh, I'll do some quick maths. Two plus two is four. Minus one, that's three quick maths. Twenty. Get in. Boom! Nice. Wow. Right. Okie dokie. See, so, that, them private lessons from Klaus paid off. <laughs> no. To be fair, Chris, you've probably, out of all three of us, had the most experience welding that thing, so... Uh, <laughs> you know, <it's>, uh, <laughs> I've seen you out here. Right, okay, so let's get that reloaded then. Right, okay, I am good to go. I don't have many points, so if I can get through these nice and quick, I should be looking at a nice multiplier. So I am also going to go with the auto pistol. Okay, right. Right, say hello to my little friend. Time starts now. Okay, right. Um, we've not long been out of downtime in my Derby campaign, and I had just bought the Harvest Lord model, which I've put together and looks great, uh, enjoying his bubble bath. Michael Monks to get that reference. Um, but it's uh, coming to an end now, the, the campaign. I think literally this is the last week, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get another game in, so it's going to be interesting to see the final stats of everything. Uh, that's that point. Okay, nice. Go on, get that uh, get that shot made. 
Uh, yeah, as I said, I, I, I had the Eightfold Harvest Lord turned up. So um, what I have done, though, as a little in-joke for anyone who's actually been reading all the posts on the forum, uh, I did manage to track down some 28mm scale rubber duckies. So when I get round to painting him and sorting out his base, he is going to have one of those on there, which no doubt is going to confuse the fuck out of anyone who I play who doesn't listen to the show. Uh, Your why search is history must be fucking incredible, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Lining up and. Oh! One out of three. Ah, box. Right, okay, mm. right. Next point then, quickly. Uh, I played a game against James Stevenson, who is uh, in the group, and we played Murder Cyborg, which we'll be discussing later on. Had a real blast with that, and uh, a very nice one just to pop over so we can get that played. So thank you very much for him. Right, lining up and. Fire! Oh, unfortunate. Trigger finger must be slippy or something, yeah? Uh, Not one. Oops. Right, okay. I ordered the House of Chains book and it's now turned up. And uh, in addition to that, I would like to throw in there that I didn't have to buy the cards because the lovely man that is Michael Monks, who's part of our group, actually bought them for me for my birthday, which is in a couple of days' time. So, there we go. That's my last point. Oh, that's your last and one, is it? Okay. Yep, that's my last one. Oh, one. One? Ah. Right, yeah. okay, what's my multiplier? Stop the right, clock, stop the clock. You've got two minutes on your multiplier, mate, so it's uh, times three. Is time, oh, yes, yeah, so times three, so, oh, so 15. God damn it. <laughs> yes, sorry about the cross breeze there, guys. I had fungus omelets for breakfast, so that's mostly <laughs> <laughs> that, that smell was a bit off-putting. I wondered where that was coming from. I thought that was the drain yeah, down the I... end of the yard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. no, I apologize. I, I won't do that again. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but that's like, what, the third month in a row now that we've been doing this in the third month, I think, that Chris has won. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, well... All like right, but thank it, you very much you for know... taking part in that with us, Kev. Um... So, yeah, that's uh, Rapid Fire. That's what we've been up to in the time since our last broadcast. Any last comments before we go to... I want to say commercial, but it's not, is it? <laughs> we don't do that. That's Iaporis' shtick. Just one. Where did you find 28mm scale rubber duckies and what other I have no... I just typed it in on eBay, mate. It's... <laughs> I just literally typed in 28mm uh, scale rubber duckies and there was literally one uh, seller on there that had, uh, it was like old school metal ones and it's just like, no wonder they're so cheap. Who who in their right mind would want to buy these? Certainly not me. So They've probably been up for 15 <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, they're all wearing hats though, that's the funny thing. I think one's got a top hat, one's got like a little Viking hat with horns coming out the side. <laughs> it just makes it that much more random. Oh my god. At some point, someone was like, "You know, you know what the world needs is uh, 28-millimeter rubber duckies. That is, you know, that's a niche." That, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much of a niche that you can get it from one supplier <laughs> in the world. <laughs> the world needs them, but not too it's many. It's probably some like stupidly rare thing. Right. So, uh, right now we're back in the studio. We'd like to hand over to uh, Pomwell Brassport. Thank you, Chris. My dear, whose blessings be upon you. Today I am in the heart of Sub City's busy harbour area and am joined by self-professed sump life expert, Dongo Raybarb. Yeah, g'day. Dongo, 
Is it true that the killer croc, responsible for the death of ex-sub city radio host Craig Van Dolans, has been terminated? Yeah, it's true, mate. The enforcers cornered the bastard and gunned him down. It's good to see Hillmore's finest putting those boner-making boulders to good use for a change. Did you think this was an excessive use of force? Fuck no! You realise who you're talking about? The enforcers, right? I saw one of those pricks take a shock maul to a hiver for accidentally farting in their direction once. So this isn't anywhere near the level of their excessive force. Besides that, mate, <clears throat> this one was 27 feet of teeth, scales and claws. A genuine sump croc. Their hide of theirs is thicker than a lobotomized goliath and can repel almost all but the luckiest of small arms fire, so boulders definitely warranted. Dongo, can you tell us more about the crocs in the sub-city area? Sure can, I've lived my entire life around crocs, mate. These sump crocs, or sumpies as we hunters call them, have only changed over the last hundred years or so due to uphive wankers fucking around with croc DNA for their sick amusement. Even the big buggers you occasionally see strutting alongside the boys' house Goliath are pale genetic imitations of the savage killing machines that lurk out in the depths of the sump. Normally these creatures give us Terrans a wide berth, but due to a rise in their numbers around the sump, their territory has expanded closer and closer to populated areas. And when crocs and people collide, it's gonna be a bad day for us. And that's why I'm here behalf of Sump City's Guild of Coin to give you some tips and to keep you out of the jaws of death. First off, keep the fuck away from the sump. Unless it's 100% necessary, don't go within 400 feet of the edge of the sump. These huge predators will literally eat anything that moves, if given the chance, and they rarely venture out beyond this distance from the edge of the sump. So when they do, it can be explosive. These legs... They might seem a bit stumpy compared to the rest of their body, but they are 100% driving force muscle. They zip out of the sump, snap their jaws shut, and it's game over before you've even been dragged back under the water. Alright, tip two. Don't make yourself look or smell like food. Being on fire, giving off an alluring smoky aroma, is definitely going to get those crocs interested, alright? Tip three. If you get cornered by one, spread your arms wide to appear bigger and more threatening. Try to keep behind them if you can. Circle sideways and slowly begin to back away. If you're lucky, you might live to tell the tale. Fascinating. I'm sure our listeners will agree. Thank you for your advice, Dongo Raybarb. No worries, mate. This is Pomwell Brassbolt for Sub City Radio. Back to the studio. Toss a crab to your DJ, some city a plenty, some city a plenty. Toss a crab to your DJ, some city a plenty. Help support some city radio by heading over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash some city radio. Help support the show and allow yourself to feel epic. Now, back to the studio. Okay, listeners, welcome back to Some City Radio. Up next is our segment, Hot in the Hive. Hot in the Hive. (laughs) This segment is lit. 
Okay, so, yeah, Hot in the Hive is the segment where we're going to be talking about all the new releases, leaks, community works, articles, blog posts, videos, podcasts, and so on that, that we have seen since we last spoke to you. So, I have a number of things here, Chris, probably more than I'm actually allowed to have, but um, i tell you what, you go first, unless Kev's got anything he wants to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll kind of follow along with your guys' lead on this one, I think. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, first off, uh, obviously, it's a biggie. Everybody's aware of it. Everybody's talking about it. The group's full of it. Every Necromunder group on Facebook's full of it. We've been talking about it. We've been stressing about it. It's the House of Chains drop. Okay, so coming from such an awesome kind of, oh, you're getting the House of Chains to you've got the house of chains i don't physically have it in my hands right now because steve got my copy through but i have had the cards and i've had a quick look through with my brother and uh, there's some cool looking cards in there it changes so much it 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 it's rewriting the way a gang structured it's it's rewriting what makes up a gang kind of it adds so much more law the flexibility to how a gang's built and I'm very, very excited to kind of see what that means for the rest of the, the gangs going forward. Yeah, I think for for me that one is exciting, not because um, I'm, I'm a particular Goliath fan, but I think it just speaks to where they're going with everything. Um, I think after Absolutely. dropping the, uh, you know, Corpse Grinders and, and that kind of thing, everyone was sort of scratching our heads like, well, what's next? You know, are they going to go back to some of those old gangs that we haven't seen since... Um, you know, the the second edition days with the scabbies and sort of the spire hunters and everyone had a theory about what was happening next. But to me, this book is, is so cool because it just kind of shows that commitment to the core, uh, the core gangs um, that we've, we've all been looking at. And, and if they go in depth with all of them, I mean, it's just incredible. I think uh, we can kind of project forward lots of support, um, you know, coming for this game and, and kind of a commitment to keep the uh, the whole vibe alive, which is just awesome and really exciting. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that one, Kev. I couldn't have put it better myself. It, it just mean It's like with, um, as you say, the Corpse Grinders and the Enforcers. When you look at the way that they've written those and you've got the different ganger types and variations and even the different structure to how, so far, gangs have been put, it, I, th- I felt it led a good precedent for what they could potentially do in the future. And having just flicked through the book very quickly earlier on, because I've, I've had it, picked up this morning but taken off the the wrapping and that's it i've smelt the book that's about it quick flick through <laughs> not done anything else with it um so it's yeah it, it looks like what they're doing is creating a whole different structure and i'm really curious to see how much they push that with the other gangs as well whether they're gonna make it more uniform again so that everyone's got a similar kind of structure or whether they're just gonna with some of the gangs just blow it out of the water and go no on this one you can be like corpse grinders where you've got like loads and loads of jews but like no gangers and like you know just the one leader you know and or a limitation on champs or something like that it'd be really interesting to see what they do for the other gangs oh absolutely and um it's not just the composition it's it's the law now um simon uh who is admin on our page He's been putting loads of information up all day long as he's kind of discovered stuff. Um, and he put a great kind of breakdown post on there. The fact that Goliaths are a slave race created by an alliance between Vansar and uh, Esher. I just think that's so cool. Like thematically, yeah. that's really sweet. And it kind of, I can see the animosity between Esher and Goliath and Vansar being like really ramped up now because obviously they're 
they're a house in their own right. I'm really interested to read as to how in depth that goes um, when I get my copy uh, in my hands. Um, yeah, I, I, for me, again, what you said, Kev, I'm not a huge Goliath player. You know, I, I had the gang when it came with the original box set. Um, they've been used a couple of times since. They don't appeal to me massively as one of like the gangs that I want to really dive into. More so now that I've seen this, and I'm thinking after I've read House of Chains that I'll probably have to invest in a little uh, um, Goliath gang. But it's more the implications for every other house, like the houses that I really love. So like Orlok, Vansar and Escher, I'm really keen to see what they bring out for, for those three. Because I, I think just the, the potential is limitless really, isn't it? If the, I mean, they've brought us Ogrens, uh, Ogren gangs, like... They just look so cool the way they've expanded the gangs out, and you've got like house alliance uh, champions and stuff. I just think it's yeah, really exciting for the for the hobby as a whole. Yeah, just an indication. I think you know with these sort of specialist games, it's a little unclear how much the emperor, if you will, uh, you know, tends to or, or or plans to support it like into the future. And this seems like a pretty clear indication that uh, yeah, if anything, they're doubling down with all just the newness that we're going to get, and to see that um, you know that the map for 2020 put forward, uh, it's yeah, it's like man, these podcasts are going to get a lot longer, um, you know, digesting all this new content. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. It's it's cool. It's really exciting. I think me and Steve are just going to have to move in together and make this our full time job. That's. I was wondering when you guys were going to reach that conclusion. <laughs> I wasn't going to push it from this end, but but uh, I think I'm not the only one who would say that's yeah. I think that's a good idea. It's nice to have your support and for you to be so understanding. I you, do. You're you're a beautiful person, thank you. Um, right, okay. Now, as awesome as this is, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I am a Debbie Downer. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I want to be kind of. I do have a concern. Now, maybe you guys can allay this concern and, 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 and stroke my hair and calm me down, but tactics cards, right? Now, we're going to do a section on tactics cards later, so we'll do a, a bit of a... But tactics cards are being redone, and the way they're being redone is they're being re-released kind of new and rejuvenated cards. I think there's 16, is there, in the, um, in the Goliath deck? It's not the 225 or wherever it is that makes up the, the standard deck, and they're all house-specific. You get no generic ones in there. And the way they seem to be getting around the scarcity of and the the, the fact that they're so kind of limited run is that they've included them in the book and done a D66 chart. Now, it's not 66 cards. It's you get the 20 cards broken down into a D66 chart. The thing I love about tactics cards is that they're blind. You don't know what your opponent's got. You might know his weapons, his loadout, because you've checked on his Yak tribe list. Do you know what I mean? Or he's shown you his gang list uh -huh. before you have gone into battle. You've got a rough idea of what skills and what weapons he's bringing to the table. You might not know what he's going to try, but you can have a good idea. With tactics cards, it's a total like it. it it's a red heron. It's it's all your. It's it's those crazy, mad, spontaneous. Uh, switches a game on its head moment but if you're rolling on a chart in front of a dude he's going to know what cards you've got the mystery and the surprise element of that is taken out and then i thought oh maybe you could just write them down like on a bit of paper and put them under like and flip the paper over and then later on when it comes around you want to play that card because you know what it is you say look this is the number i wrote down that's the corresponding card that's the tactic i want to play yeah but and i you know i'm not saying the people are dodgy, but some people are right, motherfuckers, they're going to get used to that list pretty sharpish, and they're going to, you could just write down any number you want, you could roll the dice, write down any number you want, and say these are the cards I rolled. I don't understand how they're going to keep the surprise element if you're using a chaff to roll off. Can yeah. you 
can you assuage my fears? Um, I'm not entirely sure that I can. Uh, I mean, you have to wonder if there is some further problem behind the scenes at Games Workshop with the production of tactics cards. Um, because so far there have been issues where people have wanted them and they've never been reprinted. They did, in one of the Twitch streams, allude to the fact that they might possibly reprint them at Christmas time, but obviously that's come and gone and it didn't happen. Now, I think there must be like a greater plan for it. Now, is that plan maybe that, you know, for the the completionists and the people who really want to have the physical cards, that they're just going to keep doing them now, but they're going to start pushing towards this table system? So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've literally opened up the book. It's the last couple of pages in the book. I think it's like 19 or 18 different ones that they've got just to confirm that for you chris it's, it's 18 i've just uh, checked yeah yeah this is what it, i i don't normally like to read verbatim from the book but i'm going to on this occasion because it's just a small paragraph but it says house goliath gang tactics cards each scenario details how many gang tactics each player gets and how they are selected with players either choosing the gang tactics they want or determining them at random so, again, depending on your play group, that could take a part of it. It's like if you know what ones you're taking in, then you don't have to worry about the sort of the secretness of it in front of people. Da, 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 when determined. Oh, yeah, either by drawing the cards from a shuffled deck uh, of gang tactics cards or by rolling a D66. Take care to keep the result a secret and referring to the table below. So, yeah, it is still implying that you want to keep that held back so that your opponent doesn't know what it is, but at the same time... That's open to abuse, isn't it? It is. To be fair, though, Chris, even the cards are open to abuse. You've seen people like Chris Angel and all these street magicians and stuff, a bit of sleight of hand, and it's it's not that difficult to, to you know learn those kind of skills. So anyone who's you know just shuffling cards or whatever, if they want to do that, like, can I, just, a, just a fair warning then, if I ever catch anyone doing that, I will break your fucking fingers. Yeah? <laughs> okay? Yeah, I think that's I, a fair point, you know, with, with the potential for abuse. But if you look in the game, there's a lot of places where you could do that. I mean, you've got your list, and, and if you build it on Yak Tribe, it's, it's a little more... Um, ironclad but but if someone's showing up with a hand printed list you know if you're not doing the math to add up their their points and their creds you know people could be sneaking armor and gun sights and and all kinds of this and that 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 would sort of yeah. give them the edge you're not wrong um so i think they're, oh, no, they're... I, I completely agree and i am i'm playing devil's advocate this is yeah. i haven't got a problem with this i think there has to be a workaround and i think this is the best workaround you can get that's what she said <laughs> i really yeah. do i'm pleased that they've done this list in the book I think it's great. Well done, GW. And for anyone who works for them and who's listening, thank you. It's fantastic. I'm just, I've got to play devil's advocate because this is the kind of thing that will be brought up in the community (laughs) groups. It will be questioned. And if I don't, then I'm not doing my job kind of reporting from the world of Necromunda. It doesn't, you know what I mean? I've I've got to represent those voices. Otherwise, we're just just a fucking trumpet blown, you know what I mean? Promotional system for jw and, and and that's not what we're about we love necromunda you know what i mean jw we want to be edgy damn it. it's awesome but i'd like to you know what i mean i just uh got to always be able to kind of give that person a voice at the same time no yeah. I, I completely agree with what you're saying there chris it is kind of a weird thing and not to go too deep down the tactics cards uh hole because i know we have a segment on that but but that is a weird thing isn't it how they can't seem to keep those things in stock and 
um, you know, you figure their their bread and butter is probably not in the the cards, you know, the, the the printing and selling of cards. So it's like just you know blow it out and just make it a PDF and make it downloadable. And there's precedent for that. They've done that before with other sections yeah, of the rules. Um, and and that's one thing. Well, I guess we can get deeper into it in the tactics card sections because yeah. I've got some thoughts yeah, about yeah, all yeah. that. Cool. So um, we did briefly allude to it earlier on, the roadmap for 2020. So let's go back to that. Um, yeah, so we know what we're getting for the rest of the year now. So we've got this lovely, great big expansion of a book for the Goliaths. Um, and we know that that is going to be followed in quarter two by the House of Blades, a.k.a. Escher. Then weird. followed by House of Iron, uh, a.k.a. Orlocks, And then the House of Artifice. Uh, so that's going to be Van Sar. That's an interesting term for it. It, it. You have to wonder how much that might be giving away for things. I mean, the chains you could perhaps uh, sort of associate it with the Slavers um, Guild that they've got in the book as well. Uh, so you have to wonder what else they might possibly be doing with the rest of it, if indeed that is actually a link. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It gives you enough information to be like, oh, wow, this is cool. We um, We know what we're getting with regards to the book itself and the gang that it's going to focus on, but then it's what the hell else are they going to throw in with that? And that opens up months of, of speculation, which is what yeah. we're all about. You know what I mean? It's, it's what we all get excited about. The what's going to happen next? What's going to drop next? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And well, yeah. again, it's a precedence that they've sent with, with this book because we now have Zerka models and notice how they didn't do anything about that. Did they, they didn't like do a big community post. So oh, look, we've got Zerkas. It was somebody going, I've been onto the New Zealand version of the site and oh my God, there's a Zerka on there. And everyone yeah. just went mental. <laughs> and it's like, well done Games Workshop because they've, they've put out the models that they said that they were going to, but this has also been added into what I think is the uh, expectation for things to come now, isn't it? Because we knew that the Escher had had the cats uh, that went away and yeah, the fear cats, for remodeling so. or something. But presumably then, when the House of Blades comes a rock in, the cats are going to be back as well. And the chimerics as well, hopefully. Yeah. And I think there's stuff in there that is a little harder to anticipate too, because who saw Ogrens coming? Um, nope. You know, at the House <laughs> of Chains. So how cool is that? I, I think it's neat that they kind of telegraphed a, a few things that we can't expect and plan for. But I think we'll also get a couple surprises and just enough to keep us, uh, you know, keep us guessing and keep us following the pages. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. I think with the Eschers, they'll probably have learned how to clone uh, Wesley Snipes style like vampire hunters. So, <laughs> oh, the fuck are you out of your damn mind? Yeah. That would be why it's the House of Blades because there's around. lots of them running uh, around. Jesus, <laughs> I was so slow on it. I was like, "What the fuck is this one talking about?" Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you, right? <laughs> but to be fair, in the past there have been vampires in Necromunda. Yeah, of course. So yeah, um, the roadmap looks really cool. That does leave a little bit of mystery as to what's going to happen in 2021 you know which order is it going to be is it going to be Cordor and then Delac or are they just going to go you know what screw that we're going to go completely off-road with this map and we're going to do something in else entirely different and just leave them for a bit and then Primaris just really Goliaths. annoy everyone who plays Cordor and Delac <laughs> yeah you continue to be the stepchildren and uh we're going to put out Primaris Goliaths instead yeah oh. <laughs> No, God, please, no, no! You've just, you've just made a lot of people very angry there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can but smell yeah, the um, sweat. We've, 
again, we've just touched upon it. So Ogrins, that's another thing, isn't it? Or Ogrins, or however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. So yeah, slave gangs. I'm actually really quite excited by that. I did not see that coming at all. As Kevin said, that hit me completely left field, that one. And I'm really kind of chuffed by that. Absolutely. And I love the fact that they're not being afraid to call them uh, slave Ogrins. The second that dropped, then that was like, I'd seen it on another group. Immediately, somebody was like, well, I find that really offensive and, uh, oh, God. and, and triggering. But the thing is, though, dude, you know, slavery was a thing. But this Indentured is. servitude Ogrins or something. It's like, it doesn't sound as good on the box, does it? I, I'm going to call you mine know? the Ogrin interns. <laughs> That's it, yeah. They're getting something out of it, but they're not getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> Work experience or grins. Expanding their portfolios. It's, that's oh, yes, about. that's it. Absolutely. I love it. No, but I think um, the fact that they were, they, they've were they had the balls to put that out there and say, no, they are slavery. Slavery does happen in the 41st millennium. You know what I mean? It is the 41st millennium. We do have the, the fact that it's 41,000 years in a fictional future that allows us to kind of you know play around with themes. 40K has always been a mirror of this world. You know what I mean? Because that's the only thing we've got to go off. And it, it highlights all of the, the kind of the fucked up shit that we get up to on a daily basis on this planet. Still, nowadays, you know, I don't see a problem with it. I've got no problem with somebody saying they're offended by it and they don't want anything to do with that. But as long I'm as I'm offended does... by the people who are offended by this. Oh, I... it's, like, it's ridiculous. I will say it now. It's ridiculous. It really is. Is it? it? I don't. I don't feel like I'm in a place where I can tell somebody what they should be offended by. Well, but like... I'm just glad that it's still available. That it shouldn't be censored in order to prevent them from being offended. Is my point. If, as long as they can say, "Well, I'll just leave that alone. I don't want anything to do with that." That's fine. Yeah. It's not like they're saying slavery's class. Hey, let's go. You know what I mean? To the west coast of Africa in the it's 1800s. Not like they're, they're glamour- it's not they're glamorizing it or whatever. Glamorizing. That's the word I was looking for. They're not glamorizing it in any way, shape, or form. Or glamify. Um, but it's it's the same <laughs> thing. I mean, skip to another fandom of any choosing. You know, you go with I don't know Game of Thrones. You know, slavery was in that. Did they have a pop at them? You know, about that. It's that kind of thing. It's like it's fictional based upon sort of historical themes you know and they may not be correct and the way i like to think of it is you know when uh warner brothers released the dvds for tom and jerry they have a little disclaimer that comes up at the beginning going we've left these intact and not cut any of the stuff out of it um but it doesn't represent our view of how things should be done in a modern time disney plus has done the same thing with their because i mean obviously you just have to look at their back catalogue um, and some yeah. of the very questionable kind of. Uh, I mean, even like the crows out of Dumbo. Someone yes. could point the finger at that and go, "They're yeah. a bit racist." Aren't you they? ever seen Elephant Yeah, that's yeah. it's it's pretty. But bad. it's not. It's just a, a, a snapshot of that time, and I, yeah. I think yeah. people are getting a little bit too. I don't know. There's, but, there's a word but, for it. Too triggered, maybe. You know, I, I, like, I don't think we're the academics to to put this to bed. But yeah. basically, <laughs> and we seem to come back to this topic every month. The, but the reason I brought it up is because I think it it shows a little bit more possibility that we might see um, redemptionists done in a in, in a in a viable, playable way, and ratskins done. And yeah. those are both massive kind of wants from the community. Absolutely, and I would like to think that Games Workshop would have the sensitivity to do them in a way that is very cool, but you know, it is not. Hopefully not triggering people. You know yeah. what I mean? And let's all keep in mind, this is all framed within a game that's uh, making recreational uh, murder, you know, a, a viable pastime. So yeah. um, 
as as far as a, a moral compass, maybe we should not be taking cues from the people of the forty first millennia. Uh, you know, as to uh, what we're going to oh, do. Oh, that'd be time. the next one, wouldn't it? The, 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 <laughs> they have had the whole video nasties, then computer games are evil, tabletop war games, they're the devil, they're making our children murder people. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I, maybe I mean, they had that in the 80s and I missed it, you know? <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's a game where you're, you're essentially going out to kill a group of other people off your face on made-up future narcotics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The slaves? What? The models? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. The models are great, and and uh, bold choices here. I love the guy missing an arm. I mean, that's super cool. And yeah, um, yeah, some some strong choices. I think that they made with those. And uh, yeah, I just I can't wait to get those on the tabletop. Um, might have to resize some doors and stairs just to. Oh, yeah. uh, Especially you know, out of Dark Uprising. Jesus, you can't get 32 millimeter <laughs> spaces through some of those doors. Yeah, how are these guys going to, you know, use an escalator or, uh, you know, a porta potty or something? They're in the not going to stay on the ground floor, and that's where I'm going to shoot them from. That's... Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> okay, Michael Monks, you're the one who's doing the artistry thing at the moment. You know, what a draw in a day. I want a picture of an Ogreen crammed into a porta potty, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll get that tattooed. If you do that, Michael, he'll get it tattooed. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be my first. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, so um, yeah, th- th- let's let's talk a little bit more about the models then. Um, so you've got the is it the Forgeborn, the little dinky ones as well, like the uh, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for here, Chris? The Jews. Is it initiates? Prospects. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, Forgeborn prospects. So yeah, the models and another thing that people have been asking for for a long time that we've then had land with that is uh, female Goliaths. Yeah, I think that's really cool, and that shows an indication of what we can look forward to in other... And again, that's speculation, but I think we'll see the Brutes released with each book. Yeah, not really excited to see um, just different genders and varieties in the in the models. I think it'll look really cool in a gang. It's good, you know, you've got the big, massive stim surge guys, the the over-stimmed-up yeah, yeah. guys, that are like your new champions now. You've got your, your regular-sized Goliaths and then your little uh, Juvie style. I think it'll be really cool to see that reflected throughout the different models. I mean, no doubt we'll get into it in more detail about the different types of... I, I don't want to use the word units because that's going very 40k, but the different types of gangers that you can get um, generated from this book, because again, through a very quick flick-through of the book... Um, You've got loads of alterations for the same type of model as well, and like uh, abilities that you can do up, like they've got excessive scar tissue and things like that. Oh, yeah, the flexibility and the customization of the gang seems to have really, really. I mean, like, uh, you've got that born, that born, and is it unborn or not born? I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, one of the other things that I like about the new models, the Forgeborn ones, you've got an entirely new rock saw there as well. Oh yeah, some of the weaponry um, looks. Is it the? Is it an half welder as well that they have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they look really sexy. The rules for them, though, I believe you're more likely to take out yourself than anyone else, though. Oh, so there's some. <laughs> how many unstable rolls or something? It's, it's oh, ridiculous. I know. What's two or three rapid fire dice, isn't it? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's. <laughs> uh, but the, the I think the fluff being is that these guys are trying to prove themselves, so they get taken into the house. Yeah. Like, taken under the house name. Um, so they're willing to risk that. So they're just like you're yeah, totally reckless. They'll 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 make that mad dash and try and jump across a gap, 
and and get stuck into a you know a, a brute from another gang because they want to make it really. it's like that, that that Mad Max witness me kind of thing. Witness! Witness! Yeah, yeah, watch, yeah. Watch, watch see my dedication. Watch. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've not read it myself yet in the book, but again, the post that Simon put up in the uh, community group earlier on. I think he mentioned something in there about if the uh, Forgeborn ones go out of action or get um, seriously injured, the people near them don't have to do checks for them because they care that little about them. Yeah, yeah, I'd read that. Yeah, but that's that's gonna change how how the gangs work as a whole. I really, I really, I, I'm really excited to see how that translates to each one. If it'll yeah. just be kind of the same but with different names for each kind of category and hierarchy within the gang and with the skills and stuff like that whether that'll just be cosmetically different but um fundamentally and functionally the same i think um you know just going off what we've seen with the corpse grinders and i don't have the goliath book in hand so i can't really dig into it that critically but um it, it seems like they are going to go in a different direction with structure you know not just the cosmetics not just reskinning the same structure that we see uh you know the way it is basically right now with sort of your juves and your gangers and champions and leaders Every gang has that parallel structure, and I think um, sort of enforcers kind of started to break that mold a little bit, and then corpse grinders were pushing it as well, and now it seems like Goliaths is a third step in a totally different direction. So it kind of seems to me like that's where they're going with all these gangs, which um, I think is awesome, is a, is a great choice. Um, and I, I, I think that's going to add that that f uh, texture uh, both in the rules and also to the models and just, you know, the way things look on the tabletop. That's, uh, Absolutely. that's super cool. I agree 100%, um, especially with the, I think the enforcers were the test for that, weren't you? I mean, we did the war room on enforcers last month. Yeah. The variety in with the ways you can build and structure a gang are really, really flexible. And I think that's really cool. And it means that if you've got three dudes running enforcers during a campaign, there's no guarantee you're going to come up against the same gang twice. You know what I mean? They could all be fundamentally different gangs. I think we're about to hit a very interesting year for Necromunda full stop, really, like that, aren't we? But that has reminded me of something. Because, um, you know... <laughs> I don't know if you'll recall, uh, Chris and Kev for that matter, a couple of episodes back, uh, Jess Lee wanted to tell us uh, like a horrible thing that you found out about corpse grinders. And I never <laughs> mentioned it to Chris because I totally forgot. Um, yeah, I might as well say what it is now. Um, so, you know, the underdog uh, tactics uh, thing that they came out with in White Dwarf, where they're like, if there is a large points difference between you and your opponent, you might want to use this chart instead and, and yeah. go through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way that that's worded, uh, and the structure of corpse grinders, as we've just been talking about different structure types, is um, not really compatible because the way it's worded, you can take juves up to the legal limit that you've got so you can say, for example, you've got a say 400 point difference. Juve models for corpse grinders cost uh, 25 credits. Okay, so you've got that, and you can spend that on um, models. The way it's worded, you could literally take 400 credits worth of 25 credit models and put them on the board, <laughs> and that's outside of whatever it is that you um, are allowed to have for your uh, starting gang on that scenario. So you might have like. I know five models that you're allowed to start with, plus however many Jews you can squeeze onto the board. Bear in mind they're Jews that have got infiltrate as well. So 
and and gang of stat lines and armor and you know all of that kind of thing as well and also from the way that it's worded is you might not necessarily be able to keep ganger models um or weapons but it doesn't say anything about war gear so if you just go okay well here's 10 bodies with all the grenades all the armor that gets added to your gang afterwards so you might be at the bottom of the list when you go out into that fight like a I don't know, say like you're a 1,500 point gang going up against a 2,000 point gang. But by the time you come out of it, you get to keep half of that stuff that you've just got out of that list. It's absolutely obscene. Um, I think Jess Lee did some maths on it and actually went up against one of the other guys in our campaign with this. And he came away winning whether he lost or not. So, you know, it's like 600 credits worth of stuff that he got to keep, I think it was. So it was ridiculous. But that's that's what it was anyway. And I think that kind of loophole speaks to a bit of a broader issue, and it's one that comes to mind when I look at the release schedule and and I I hear the amount of new content that's been released in the House of Chains. Um, And I guess this is maybe a a Chris Idon, you know, um, devil's advocate here, is that, yeah, all the new stuff is very cool, and it's it's coming in hot off off the presses to my my perception. Um, But that comes with a bit of that fear that um, with a single pen stroke like that, you can really throw off some balance. You can really mess with the the power levels going on in the game and one of my favorite things about this game is that it is not winning focused you know if, if that's your drive as a player um, this is probably not the system that you've gravitated towards and that's great so um, to keep that it, it's less of a problem I think in in this game than, than others you know like a 40k scene something like yeah. that but it is a concern of mine and, and when corpse grinders hit our play group we all kind of looked at that stuff and we were like good god you know how how is this going to just change the 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 feel of of, of a match on the tabletop because you know none of us feel like we need to win but also none of us likes to get you know your, your teeth, t- teeth kicked in uh, every, every single yeah. week so <laughs> it's it's tricky and i i applaud the the speed with wit, with which things are coming out but um i wouldn't mind just a little bit of slowing down for a little bit more of the play testing a little bit more of um yeah just some kind of check on on that uh very very rapid growth I've been yeah. thinking about this a lot, Kevin. Um, exa- all of the points that you made are very salient and very valid. Um, and the things that I've come across, because, uh, and I've said this in a in a earlier podcast, that you get people who say they are It's all narrative. They're in it for the narrative. They aren't into min max or uh, do you know what I mean? Play the system, and then guarantee you're going to meet one of them fuckers who has built that list to play the system. And all he wants to do is fucking trounce everyone, every game. And that's what he gets out of it or she gets out of it and nothing else. And everything else is bullshit. You might write a nice little dramatic story afterwards. You know what I mean? And then they might flesh it out. But really what they've done is they've gone in with a fucking min-max list and they've cleaned up and they've had no consideration for the actual fun that their opponents had. You know, and I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to teach those people. All right, you want to play like that. We're going to play a fucking three-way game. And that is not cool, dude. You don't yeah, play like that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what you've got to do with those people. Because unless unless Games Workshop write in a book, you cannot do this. You cannot do that. You Then people, they, they look between the lines. That's what Jess Lee does. That's how Jess Lee's head works. Let me just read you this message that I got off Jess Lee. Right? And this is after Andy 
Andy Haw commented on the Sump City Radio. Thanks, Andy. Really appreciate it. And he said, I heard he's getting a bit salty on Corpse Grinders. Do I have to dislike the page? That obviously, that was tongue-in-cheek. It was tongue-in-cheek. And I came back and went, no, we've, we've warmed to them. We've seen that in a campaign. That I love them. I know you love them, mate. But the, the reason you love them is because they're so fucking powerful. You know, they are thematic. They are cool. The models are beautiful. But let me read you this and tell me this isn't open to abuse. In yeah. one turn, I played the Chargers of Basic Action Tactics card i group activated my leader he had the master switch for my two champions with friends on collars ah. from pinned from pinned my leader stood up and charged and killed a hand flame occultist my swordsman stood declared a charge an overwatching cult champ failed his willpower test to shoot so my swordman moored into a, a yeah. shotgun then then my killer champion stood up from pinned I'm, I'm stressing these words on purpose, made a 20-inch charge across yep. a bridge, up a ladder, into an overwatching champ to cause eight lasting injury rolls, sending the docks twice for and humiliating. <laughs> Only twice. Ah. Do you know what I mean? That- yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's hard to walk away from a game like that if you're on the, the losing side of that exactly. and feel great about exactly. you know, the that's, two, that's three, four point. hours you just put into that afternoon. Yeah, it's That's not the corpse grinders are broken or OP. That's because people are people. And they'll figure out yeah. a way to fucking bend it and to twist it and to min-max it. That's what people do, you know, especially people with, you know, Android brains like Jess Lee. Who yeah, just run the, got... <laughs> you, it's like the matrix numbers, like the binary code going up and down in front of them. Is... Ah. He is the one. We're just reading a book, looking at the pretty pictures, and he's going, <laughs> Slaughterborn. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. think, you know, it's, it, it, it is one thing to put the onus on the, the community and, and the playgroups to, to self-police, um, but the rules are there for a reason, and the rules need to be written. In my opinion, I guess I see it just a little bit differently, where, um, you know, we, we are uh, paying a lot of money for these books and, and, and these game systems and everything to work together, and... Um, you know, we, we do all want to win to some degree. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't have a hobby with a game at its core. So I, I think that the onus falls a little bit more, in my opinion, on the, the creators of those rules, the creators of those systems. Make stuff that works. Don't make something that, you know, I can look at it for 30 seconds and see the holes and see how it's broken. You know, a 20-inch charge, just like, where's that coming from? Um, so, yeah, that's that, that's my opinion on that stuff. No, that's fair. That's that You know what I mean? That's what we talk about. That's, that's why we have a group where... We allow people to say exactly what they want because, you know, it, it's us yeah. that's paying for it. It's us that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, they make it and they, and they make beautiful models and they make uh, incredible law and we all enjoy playing it. But, you know, it's not flawless. It, it's not perfect. It, it is open to abuse. And a lot of people are cunts at the end of the day. And... <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Kevin makes a, a good point earlier on about how they are just knocking it out of the park with their production schedule at the moment there's just so much coming out that there's wallets weeping all over the country you know it's all over the world in fact really yes and it's like that moment with uh obi-wan talking about luke about you know a thousand voices cried out in terror and were suddenly yeah. silenced. It's, it's, it's people's wallets crying a thousand um, wallets just popped yeah because there's just so much cool stuff that's coming out, and it's coming out quickly. But you know, you you can't please people one way or another. If it was the other way and it was too slow, then you'd be getting people moaning. Oh yeah, and, and the interested yeah. drop, and you know, and you've got the old guard Necromunda fans, you know, who 
I will not play the new rules. I'll only play the original yeah. rules. I'll only use the original models. And I get it. You know, they've kept the game alive for 25 years. They have. They've, they've done that. They've fostered yep, yep. it. They've nurtured it. They've developed it. But now it's well, time to move over, Grandad. Well, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you can argue all day long. The, the new systems, it's smoother. It's it's more streamlined. It works better. It's the more models, brutal, definitely. The models are better, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, they are. I love the original models. The original Escher are still some of my favourite yep. like sculpts. But I can see them for what they are. They're 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 a product of their time, of the technology that was available. And and that shows. And when you put your ninety five Escher next to my two thousand seventeen Escher, there's no competition. There just can't be. No. You know, and chances are that some of the same designers worked on those things, you know what I mean? Like you're talking about like Quite possibly, Jez- yeah. Jez Goodwin and stuff, you know, that I, I totally get it. I have nothing against the original Necromunda. That's what got me into the hobby. And I've got some beautiful memories of a crazy summer. And, you know, in fact, I'm just going to have a game with my brother tonight after the podcast. And we're going to use the old cardstock terrain with bulkheads because I think it's still some of the most amazing stuff that JW has ever done. I know it's Is that why you now have 20,000 of them? 20,000 is the official (laughs) number of bulkheads (laughs) I officially have. Can I just give a shout-out to Carl Walker, actually? Um, He's gone through some real shit lately, and he was an absolute fucking gentleman and sent me um, a lot of bulkheads and a lot of the original card stock, and that's the stuff I'll be playing on tonight, so thank you very much for that, brother. Much appreciated. Um... This is going to be the longest hot in the hive ever, isn't it? At this right? <laughs> yeah. Fair um, I, I don't deep, care. Deep philosophical <laughs> conversations here. Yeah. Um, I guess I I do want to end any any sort of nerd raging about um you know balance issues with that you know realizing that that this game is so loved and I think that's where any of that comes from. So I want to walk away just with this idea that uh, Games Workshop has created this thing that is truly remarkable. And you know I I have not heard of another gaming system in my years that has been uh, you know kept alive by the community, kind of risen from the dead, uh, you know out of print for so long, but yet kept uh, very vibrantly alive. And then you know uh, the company comes back around and breathes new life and and these incredible models and and awesome terrain and the rule sets it's um so yeah overall it's a very very positive vibe and and i want to underscore that i think it's a really remarkable feat um that they pulled off as a company for many many years now um so uh yeah let that be the underpinning of any other commentary yeah absolutely yeah no uh, uh, amen i think uh it's it's good (laughs) it's good to have no it is it's it's good to again i use the term again devil's advocate to kind of look at it from every aspect But yeah, yeah we make I mean, a podcast. I think the, the we spend hours was... and hours and hours every month making this, planning this, prepping this, editing this, oh because God, we yes. fucking love the game, and that's that's what it all comes down to. Mine and Steve's friendship is built entirely around this game. You know what I mean? Um, that that's that's how we've met each other is through this. So I'm all for it. It's been incredibly cathartic for me going through some shit and just having somewhere I can dive in, lose myself, whether I'll that's reading that. about yeah. reading about the law, making cool models, you know what I mean, looking at other people's cool stuff and just talking to other people who fucking love it because it's it, it is it's so vibrant and rich and fun. Speaking and, of other people's cool stuff, thing is this is hot in the hive. <laughs> Let's, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about other people's cool stuff that we've seen. Um, Can I, I go first? Quick... Can I go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, right. Can I just give a shout out to the legend that is Kablam's 
Long may rest in peace. Love you, brother. Zombie Kablams. Zombie Kablams. His fucking train set. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my Sorry, God. Sorry, it's just the way you say that. It, it, it's cooler than a train set. It looks awesome. I, sorry, I just had a picture of him sitting on the floor with a little oh. train track going, choo-choo, oh. pushing the trains out. What, you're telling me he hasn't done that? Shut up. Of course he he's done, done that. Yeah. No, I just think it's it's amazing. I mean, like at first it was like, oh, the bulkheads with the track on top. That's really cool. It's a really clever way of using the bulkheads. And then he started making like the cabooses to go on the actual thing, and yeah. he's used bits of servo hauler, um, but um, loads of styrene because that's his thing. Obviously, he's a he's a styrene fanatic, and my god, it is a thing of beauty. Like well what done. I love man. about that- Craig and yourself, Chris, is that you document them in such a detailed way that we can see all the little changes as you go along. So. Um, you know, like as you say, with with his train set, you get to see like the base bit, the uh, the bulkheads, the track, the the rails on the track, the bolts holding the rails onto the tracks. So you get to see it build yeah. up, and it gets cooler and cooler with every bit that goes on there. No, I, I love it, and I love the fact that people come along and go, uh, "Craig, you might want to try." And it's like, why are you suggesting that? <laughs> There's nothing this motherfucker hasn't considered. He's got a fucking hundred-step yeah. plan. That is going to look amazing oh, when I bet finished. Kev can relate to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine that's something With that you come across. With your MDF thing that you're building there, have you thought about maybe doing this instead of what you're doing? <laughs> lots of ideas, yeah. Turns out there's lots of ideas. Yeah, every oh. fucker's an expert, aren't they, when you start posting stuff. I fucking love it. I fucking... Like, you bastards with your names for me, gang. You know, I spent fucking ages <laughs> coming up with names for my... I I, re, I I went pure nerd with my corridor, um, the unkindness for my corridor. I mean, a pure... I've, I've wrote a backstory. Each individual character has their own name. I know all about them. There's, there's nothing you could ask me about those guys that I don't have an answer for. But... And, I don't get us wrong, I fucking love the people get involved and they throw suggestions across. But the name and structure, it has to be alliterative. So it's um Father of His Righteous Fury. So yeah. the F and the F obviously have to the alliteration, that's where the alliteration comes from. But my um unkindness are all built on the 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 aspect of the emperor that people don't worship. So that's the fury, the rage, the the great vengeance and furious anger. The um, purgation, the, the evil, the, the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. The, the yeah, darkness yeah. that the emperor has to, has to have in his heart in order to get his grand vision executed across, across the galaxy. And that's what they represent. That's what they are. They are it's too late for penitence. It's too late for um, asking for forgiveness. It's too late for looking for mercy. They're like one step beyond redemptionists is how they say themselves. Even the redemptionists, they're, 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 they're soft in their ways as far as the unkindness are concerned. And then people come up with something of his mercy, something of this. It doesn't match. It doesn't have the alliteration. It's the wrong aspect of the emperor I'm looking for. And then motherfucker, they all start bringing out like Blackadder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was it something like son of his illegitimate seed or something? Son of, like, yeah. Someone did something like, like that. And that had me laughing out loud. That uh, no, and that is, that is good fun. But yeah, when people are coming in and saying, oh, Craig, you might want to try. It's like, dude, Craig's thought of that. And if, and if it isn't on there when he's finished, it's because he's thought of it, he's tried it, and it didn't work. It's you know, it's not, it's not because he didn't think of it. He's just yeah, he's he's somewhere else. And well done, man. 
Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, amazing. Right. Uh, um, all right then, Chris. I'll, I'll go next on this one then. So uh, we've got, uh, this is an official one more than anything else because I mentioned I think it was last month where that um, Will, uh, aka Slave to the Whip, had sent us those little three D printed radios. Yeah. Um, I, I I might have made it sound like it was actually him that printed them, and it wasn't. So I want to give some credit where it's due there it was otpterrain.com um apparently will knows them and and gets a lot of stuff from them regularly so he went to them to get these printed off um but they do all sorts of stuff there so we will make sure that there is a link put into the uh group alongside this post once it goes up but otpterrain.com good show uh next one then chris all right yeah um now this is uh a ne- i'm under um group uh that's based in newcastle it, it's a member a pizza member of it. it's dorm i can't remember what you call it now i haven't got it written down um but um i think he's probably got it in some of the other groups but i will post a link to these pictures it's graham shirley's a golden demon winner um oh, right. and he plays at uh the newcastle warlords and he's done uh rita sue and bob too and <laughs> yeah for you, I, I don't even know if you'll get that reference. It's it's a it's an old um, English uh, comedy drama, uh, more on the drama side, um, but really kind of fun eighties 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 film. Um, be, yeah. And it's about a guy who has two young babysitters that babysit for him, and he basically leads them down the garden path um, and and ends up having his way with them. It, which sounds a lot more dark and creepy than it. It is dark and creepy, but it's done with a, a like that kind of that British sense of humour. I'm gonna give you a damn good thrashing. Um, but he's done done Rita, <laughs> Rita and Sue are these two like green devil dog things. They look like um, you know the the, the guys out something out of Ghostbusters. You know those oh, kind yeah, of yeah. The, 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 the the devil dogs out of yeah, well, the devil right, dogs. Yeah. The, the things that kind of stand either side of Gorza when she's on top of the building. He's, it's like a, yeah, but he's got yes. two of them and this like bounty hunter, and it's just phenomenal. I'll put some pictures up on the group when we uh, release the podcast. But it is amazing. And like oh, I say, it's a golden demon winner, so you can imagine the quality of the painting that's on that. But it is so sexy, and it speaks to everything that I love about Necromunda. I've got an idea. There's no rules for it. I'm just going to make it and, and I'm and all find for a way taking around. a crazy idea and running with it. I mean, I'm the yeah. guy who came up with the handbot, so you know, <laughs> put a pig's head on it, uh, give him a bit of a RoboCop slash pig slash cop kind of you know crossover storyline as a background. Yeah. Like, yeah, go for it. Um, but yeah, 1987 that was, Chris. 1987 is that? <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah, I sure know, right? How old are we? Um, yeah. Right. Okay, I'll, I'll throw out one then. Luke Jane uh, and his posters that oh, he's man. created in the group. He's become our official propagandist, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see what I'm talking about, you'll either already know or you'll not be as part of our Facebook community group and you'll be wondering what it is. Go and join the Facebook community group and have a look at the posts. Type in Luke Jane and see the posts that he's put up. He's done some stellar work on some posters, which, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually put into the file group or put up on the page so you can download them and print them out to stick on your terrain as well. So um, some city-themed things like Hive-Aid, he's got posters for the bands and stuff like that. Brilliant yeah, work. and if, if you do do that, if, if any of you kind of go out and, and put like the little Some City pictures. Radio posters up or any other, send us pictures, we'd really like to see it, man. It's really cool yeah. to kind of think that Some City Radio has made it onto your little corner of the Hive. I think that's really sweet. 
Um, but no, what a dude. And um, it, it just looks super professional as well, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's what he does for his, his, his job, you know what I mean? is working in computer design. But wow, yeah, they just look fantastic. In fact, I've put them up on the Instagram page. And, uh, yeah, that's I have, right, you did, didn't you? I have the um, thing on my phone as a screensaver. You know, there's some city radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. If you've yeah, still I'm... got ears, you should be listening. I've got that as my phone wallpaper as well. Yeah, that, that's it. And, and my brother does as well now. And every time I, I, I'm going to, everybody I meet who's into Necromunda, I'm going to be like, get this, get this on your screensaver, get this on your screensaver. I think you'll probably change it as soon as I've gone out of the room and it's stopped annoying them. But I'll know for a couple of seconds at least that we furnished somebody else's phone. Yeah. Cool. Oh, hey, tiny guy on Instagram. Um, he's done some fantastic Zomortalis um stuff. He's got like all chains added to it and, and lights. Every, every kind of you know the, the lights on the sections. They're all yeah. actual LEDs now. Huh. And he's done a load of neon paint that shows up in black light. So that the bases on his miniatures are all like cool industrial bases. Flick on a black light, and they've all got like neon graffiti on and oh, stuff. Oh, that looks is awesome! I wanted to do sweet. something like that, so that's going to be definite inspiration. So definitely, you make sure you share those pictures on the group. Sweet. Absolutely. Um, Evan Stock Halvorsen. I hope I've pronounced that somewhere near correct. Um, he put up a post into the main Goliath Facebook group, and the model that he's done is a Goliath that is literally ripping the head off of a Van Saar model. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it, um, yeah. Heads in one hand, gore stringing across, body of the Van Saar laying on the floor. And it's got, like the I think, the spine hanging out of it as well. It just looks really cool. Yeah. Completely impractical if you want to load it up with all kinds of weapons. But it just looks awesome. So, no, yeah, just, props to him. Absolutely, that looks really sweet. I, I noticed that you'd put it on your notes uh, to bring it up, so I'll let you do it, but the little um, Blood Bowl guys, but I'll let you bring that up. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Corpse Grinder squats. Yeah. Yeah, Tim- Timothy R's. Uh, I saw his post on a different group originally, but he has po- put them up in our uh, group now as well. Those Corpse Grinder squats are, are absolutely amazing, and you know that they are because Andy Hoare again commented in the group to say, you know what, I'm going to tell the guy who designed not only those squats but the Corpse Grinders. He's going to love the chances? This. What are the chances that he's <laughs> taking those two completely separate model ranges and kitbashed them? And yeah, and he says that he made the de- designers day. So yeah, kudos to you, man. Well done. That's that's fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's great to have the the boss basically commenting on posts on our page, really. So yeah, I I class that as a joint one, and I'll skip straight onto the next one. Jason Holland's Rogue Doctor H Lecter's Surgery. I will post the pics up into the group along with this. It looks awesome. Well done, Jason. Right. Okay. Uh, so um, back to you. I've got a couple more. Uh, just burn through them quick. Yeah. Louis Batista, um, from yep. Necromunda Terrain Makers. Uh, it's a neon city that he's building, and he has like this water tower. It looks like the kind of you know the. The thing in Seattle that looks like a UFO. I don't know what you call oh, it. Oh, yeah, the yeah, tower, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it's a little bit like that, but it's got like, loads of neon cabling all the way around it. looks really atmospheric and really cool. That's on Necromunda Terrain Makers, but I will, uh, I'll dig out links for that for the, uh, for the post. Awesome. Um, Muppet Man on Instagram, he's done this incredible servant there, and it's like a skeleton ribcage, skeleton head, and like some of the skeleton arms, but then it's got the Admech rust stalker legs, and like this saw appendage, it's just, it's it's a simple, like it, it's not like the most complicated or huge or, but it's just really clever and really well put together. That's Muppet Man on Instagram. Cool. 
Uh, Tom Kosh, he did the Sweet Water Still, which I don't know if that's a reference to Justin Hill's Terminal Overkill book, because there was one mentioned in that. Yeah. But yeah, just a really fantastic piece of scenery. So again, yeah. we'll get the pictures in for that. There's a whip on the uh, Necromunda Terrain Makers, um, Dylan Gould, and it is a one, two, three, four, five, six story, um, kind of a throwback to that, uh, you know, famous white dwarf picture of the the kind of cross-shaped or X-shaped tower. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, with a, sort of a level and um, is also kind of um, reminiscent of, of uh, who was it that built that gigantic uh, vertical That was board? Craig. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, it was Craig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yep, yep. Um, so anyway, this one, uh, just another great example of that, but I love how it's it's the double-sided thing, you know, some big open kind of hangar doors uh, to have some accessibility from each side, and it just looks gorgeous, and that gigantic statue kind of cop- uh, topping it all off, really, uh, really nice piece yeah, of work there. Yeah, he's, um, he's obviously very, very good at work. It's a 40k ham slam, is his handle on Instagram and other social media, okay. but yeah, he's, he's a very talented guy, very, very cool looking structure. Awesome. I've got one more left. Um, it's I'm going to have to put the link up for this, but it's thecomguild.com. Um, and what they've done is given you a step-by-step guide to making terrain. I think it was out of some kind of guttering or electrical box cover, um, but it's just really nice models that they've got. And there's a whole guide on there as to actually how to build it. Um, so I'll make sure to put the pictures up for that as well. But then use the um, you mentioned it a good while ago, Chris. The Maelstrom's Edge terrain sprues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they use that in this kit, and I, I I then actually got to see what it was that you was talking about, and it's like, yeah, I need to get hold of those at some point because that's going to be really useful for some of the terrain building that I've got coming up. No, definitely. I think they look really nice. I, I don't know kind of cost wise how they work out or anything, but uh, they certainly uh, they just if you're using the five mil form core. They pr- like you can get the edges for it and stuff and you can put hatches into it and it just finishes it off and makes it look really kind of cool and um highly detailed as opposed to you know what i mean having to cut each individual rivet out or whatever um nice. last one for me then and this isn't kind of oh this is everything cool i've seen i've seen some awesome stuff but i was well aware that hot and high uh, is getting the majority of the podcast yeah. um <laughs> it, it's Ian Longston. He posts a lot in our group. He's running a campaign at Nova this year. Um, he's done some awesome uh, Escher, uh, Chaos Helots, uh, Chaos inspired gang. Um, he's crossed them with the Corvus Cabal, so they're all bird like. Uh, but he's also he does a, a podcast. I've yet to listen to it, but it's I'm I'm just to let him know that that's going to be my next. Uh, um, listen to while I'm while I'm doing my hobby. I'm up to date with Gang Bang. Uh, obviously, Chronicles is finished, so this is a, a new podcast for everybody to have a try of, and it's called Dome Runners. It's a lot short format, so I think it's about an hour an episode. Um, so yeah, uh, shout out to Ian and uh, Dome Runners. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Nice. <clears throat> okay, well that's me done for all my stuff. But... I could go on, but let's, yeah. Yeah, are we going to call it there then? Yeah. Brilliant. Right, well, in which case then, folks, that has been Hot in the Hive for this broadcast. Um, Up next is Blitz and Krieg with part one of their Murder Brawl memories. Thanks, Steve. Welcome back, listeners. As always, I am Blitz. And I am still Krieg. Today, we take a break from the action to bring you a listener-suggested segment. They write... Dear Blitz and Creek, long time fan, first time submitter. 
Could you give us your top five most memorable deaths from the past two seasons of Murder Brawl? Thank you for your letter, Jordy of House Escher. Well, we've trawled through all the footage from the past two seasons and picked out some brutal highlights. But to fit them into our segment time slot, we'll paste them out over the coming broadcasts from Salt City Radio. So let's get things started. Oh, just to point out, Unless you pay for your 300 credit per cycle gold sports package on Hive Holocast, you'll only be getting an audio playback of these kills. Number five. This one certainly pays tribute to the resilience of the human spirit. Nighter Blackwood of House Orlock versus Brother Nathaniel of House Cordor. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. After a grueling 25-minute fight to the death, Nighter Blackwood has fallen with a seemingly fatal thrust to the kidneys from Brother Nathaniel. What? What's this? Unbelievable! Ladies and gentlemen, it, it seems the ex-Orlock gang leader is back up on his feet. This is crazy! And, and he's taunting Nathaniel! Just a flesh wound! Nathaniel doesn't seem to believe it either. He's going in for another attack. Oh, that's it! Nida's arm is off! That's gotta be the end of it. Nathaniel is raising his sword to the crowd and waving. You can see he's tired, but he's still taking time to respect the fans. Good form! Absolutely, Creed. And this means that Brother Nathaniel will place it on the Emperor's throne. I do not believe it! Snyder is back on his feet, and with one remaining arm, he is giving Nathaniel the finger. Inconceivable! Undubitably! How can Snyder be taking this punishment and still refusing to give up? Nathaniel cannot believe his eyes! Me either, Creed! This is an exchange between the two. I I think Nathaniel is telling Snyder to concede. Yes, yes! Snyder, concede while you still have your life! You can always get bionics! Wait! Nider is telling Nathaniel where he can stick his own severed arm! Oh, the Nathaniel did not like that suggestion! Another brutal attack from Nathaniel! You can see the strain on his tired arms as he swings the chainsaw down and tears through Nider's other arm! Both arms are now on the floor, ladies and gentlemen, and Nider drops to his knees defeated! Who has two thumbs and lost this match? Not that guy! Nathaniel motions praise to the Emperor, and the crowd goes wild! Again! This is definitely gonna be a memorable victory for... No! No, this is not possible! This is just not possible! How is this happening? Fighter is back up on his feet! He's taunting Nathaniel! Nathaniel is looking quite annoyed now! I think everyone would agree that in all but a technicality, he is victorious here today. Yes, yes, Nathaniel is calling for a referee's decision. Ladies and gentlemen, Nider has run up behind Nathaniel and he's now kicking him. What is this man thinking? It has to be Stems Creek. No way the human body could take this much damage and still keep going. The arena floor is red with blood from Nider's armholes. Nathaniel is trying to push Nider away, nearly slipping over on blood in the process. This situation is, it, it's almost comical now. A ref is approaching the pair now. It looks like he's trying to convince Nider to concede as well. Oh. Now Nider has kicked the ref in the balls. The ref is down. The indignity, 
It seems the two fighters have just resorted to shouting at each other at this point. How much longer can this go on? Uncertain, Kree! Uncertain! When will this end? I need to pee! No time for that now! Nathaniel is going for the sword again! That's it! It's done! Nader has now lost both his legs! He must surely be done now! Nathaniel is... is prodding the body! Is... is it over? The ref is back up on his feet! But cradling what must be a really sore and swollen... No! Nider is still alive! He's riding about on the floor! It looks... Yes! Yes, he is! He's challenging Nathaniel! Nathaniel has thrown down his sword! He's talking to the ref! Yes, the ref has called the match! It is over! Brother Nathaniel has won! It looks like Nider's medical team is running out onto the arena floor to recover what is left of this unbelievably tough son of a bitch, Orlock. That definitely was a sight to behold. Completely brutal! Indubitably. Join us again for another of our top murder brawl matches. Later, haters! Welcome to the War Room. Let's talk tactics. You gonna get us another recap then, or...? Chris? What's that? Can you get us another recap? I'm running a bit low here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could use one as well. Yeah? Do you have sugar? Uh, no thank you. What? Oh. Oh, this is the war room, is it? Shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, we said we weren't going to do this section. Um, yeah, so, yeah, listeners, hi. This should be the war room. Uh, but we don't have the war room to do for this bit because Goliath book has landed. Loads and loads of new Goliath stuff. So if we did go through doing the Goliaths, then um, there'd be no point, really, because everyone's just going to go, oh, that's wrong in a week. So uh, tell you what, instead, let's talk about Kevin. Kevin from Promethean Forge. Hello. 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 Um, so, Kevin, where are you right now? I am in uh, sunny Sun Valley, Idaho. Uh, is that it is sunny in the there United at the moment? Because it's pitch black where we are. <laughs> uh, it is sunny, yeah. We still have a, got about uh, two feet of snow on the ground, but the sun is out and uh, slowly melting it away. We're, we're leaving the winter, the, the clutches of winter here. Well, hopefully you're not getting the gale force winds that we are. But anyway, uh -huh. enough about the weather. Let's talk Necromunda. So, Kevin, how did you get into Necromunda? So uh, I was a 40k player back in the 90s, um, so we were, um, you know, playing all that stuff, exploring that world as, as kids, and uh, someone said, hey, check out this cardboard terrain stuff right here, and I said, whoa, what on earth is that? And uh, that just kind of started a, a couple years long love affair with, with that game system. Um, lost many, many, many weekends uh, just duking it out in the underhive and uh, absolutely, you know, having a great time with that stuff. Um, I think kind of parallel to many of our stories through this hobby, uh, life kind of started happening after that in high school and college and whatnot and uh, had a long break from the hobby. 
um, until just a couple years ago when uh, kind of a, an acquaintance um, had some 40k stuff on a bookshelf over at his place and I said no way that that still exists that's a thing and uh, kind of got back into it and realized that uh, it's very much still still a thing and, and, and the whole world is is alive and kicking so I trooped down to my local hobby shop and I said great show me where the Necromunda section is and they all looked at me like I had two heads now open your mind to me open your mind and I um, <laughs> was absolutely gobsmacked that it was that it was out of print, that that the game was dead, and uh, just had this moment of like, whoa, how how is that possible? This was the greatest, um, you know, the the high water mark of, of tabletop gaming, and, and you you guys have never heard of this before. How is that a thing? So uh, I kind of ran home and and started googling and and found um, Yak Tribe, and and slowly came to understand like, Yak okay, Tribe. yeah, this this is cool. This is still going. Um, these guys have have kept it alive. So you know, ended up with the community edition of the rule book and and saw that it had been made even better than uh you know the stuff that i remembered um and went to go uh you know build a, a tabletop and kind of start reclaiming the the former glory and um was looking around the united states for uh some terrain options and realized that uh nobody was really doing a a, a super compelling job of the necromunda stuff um stateside um, there were a couple good producers still, uh, I think, coming out of the UK and whatnot, but um, nothing in, in the US. So I thought, well, uh, here we go. So um, I, I started producing, uh, you know, designing and producing the terrain that I just kind of wanted as a player. Um, the stuff that I was looking for, and uh, my first thing was ladders, because um, I was I was cutting things out of foam core, and I was like, God, this is just time consuming to, especially to do the ladders. Oh um, yeah, with all the rungs, yeah. Yep, yep. Just uh, just just all the the detail work with the knife. So uh, I I had um been a member of a local makerspace, uh, which is a thing we have over here in the states, and the concept oh, of the yes, makerspace. Yeah. Yeah, is that um, it's kind of like uh, being a member of a gym where you don't want to own all the exercise equipment. You just want to go use it. But you get it. access to all the power tools, yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> they very so... nearly had something like that in Derby, and I would have oh. so loved to do that, but they they never finished it for some reason. Huh. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, it's it's cool. Um, so obviously, you know, if you're looking for 3D printing or laser cutting or, you know, woodworking, uh, they've got all that there. But what's more important is all the people um, that that kind of space attracts. Um, so there's all these weird kinds of folks showing up, you know, at weird hours in the night. And uh, they have expertise that they can kind of lean over your shoulder and say, hey, you know, have you tried this or, or check out that? So um I was I was there late one night uh, cutting some stuff out, and uh, a guy kind of looked at it and he was like, "Well, you you should sell that stuff. You know, you could you could make money doing that." And I was like, "What? Are you, are you kidding me?" So um, that's kind of how the the company was born. Um, and uh, next up, we had the the bulkheads terrain. So uh, if you've seen a picture of that, that's a pretty obvious throwback to um, you know the '90s terrain that we all oh, kind of yeah, fell yeah. in love with. Yep, yep. Um, so that, uh, it ended up in a, in a Kickstarter. Um, and the, the goal with that Kickstarter was to sell, uh, 20 units. So, so basically 20 tabletops worth of terrain. And I kind of did the math and said, all right, you know, if we, if we move that many, um, you know, we can, we can, uh, I, I can buy one of these lasers and, and then kind of be able to, to, uh, prototype from my home and that kind of thing. So that was the goal. So the campaign goes live. Um, and things really started picking up quickly in the beginning. Long story short, uh, we ended up with uh, just over 200 units um, from the original <laughs> goal of, of 20. 
So uh, that was about nine months um, of life, both mine and uh, my wife, um, sort of <laughs> unexpectedly had this this thing on our hands. So there we were, uh, you know, cutting Smelling terrain. Smelling like bonfires for nine months. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It was it was intense. Uh, sending the stuff all over the world, um, and was really uh, just just um, blown away with with the support and the popularity and and how many people wanted it and kind of responded to that. Um, so it was very very cool. And that was, uh, yeah, kind of the kind of the birth of the whole thing. And um, since then, I've just been finding things that I wanted, frankly, that uh, no one else was making, and said, "Yeah, you know what? I'm going to design that." That, that was and, a question uh, I was going to ask you, Kevin. Is um, obviously like with the the corpse processing vat or the um, what was it you call it? Sorry, the the protein the, smoothie the maker. protein smoothie maker. Yeah, that's right. Which uh, <laughs> also doubles as a margarita maker, which yeah. I fucking love, by the way. Um, <laughs> That is an incredible bit of terrain. That that is absolutely gobsmackingly gorgeous. I mean, like, yeah, I really want one of those. Yeah, it's it's fucking great. Um, and and if whoever wins the competition, which we'll be coming on to later, um, doesn't buy one of those, you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and I hope that takes the sting out of winning 150 dollars worth of your. If it makes you feel better for not being able to enter the competition, Chris, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not jealous at all. Yeah. Not even a tiny, <laughs> tiny little bit. No, but yeah, that was my question. Is obviously the books are gonna release different kind of um, terrain suggestions, and uh, um, so like you might uh, want to make archaeo tech devices, or kind of industrial stuff, or like knackered industrial stuff, or like you said, new floors to kind of. I guess like you're looking at a niche in the market, or you, you don't say a niche in America, do you? You say a niche. I've I've heard it both ways. Um, yeah. I could sound niche and sound just a little more, you know, cultured. And uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm happy to say a niche. Um, obviously, you've seen that the the floor tiles have gone immediately out of stock, and there's there's a hole in the market for that. That that's kind of a, a gap to plug. Is it? I, is a lot of your work reactionary to things like that, or is it just? Do you sit? Is like the beauty of it that you get to sit and think. I would really like to see that in Necromunda and just think, let's have a go and try it out. That's a great question. I think it is a little bit of both. It's probably right down the middle, 50-50. You can react quickly to what's going on in the marketplace. Uh, I had the magnetized Zone Mortalis tiles. Um, Right before those came out, I really didn't... uh, you know, see that kind of coming that that the 2D version of the game would would be released as well as the 3D version. Uh, mm. Previous to that, everything I had developed was for a 3D, you know, sector mechanicus tabletop. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's fun to uh, be reactionary a little bit and say, okay, you've invested a ton of money in in your table and, and your terrain. Here's some pieces that are compatible, 100% compatible yeah. with what you've got. The heights, you know, measure up completely. Um, and also, by the way, don't we all want more ladders? Don't we all want more stairs? That kind of stuff is relatively easy to throw yeah. together, and you can get that out there. Um, railings, railings. Uh, I would, I would just buy a pack of railings. You know, just um, the the like the balustrade, the um, the safety the, barriers, yeah, the safety barriers. Yeah, I, I don't know how else to to term them. Um, but yeah, just loads of them because that's the thing. I mean, even with the GW's official stuff, you buy a kit, you get like five railings in it. It's like I want more railings. I want more. I want railings to go on every walkway. I want. Do you know what I mean? And just a pack of those, I would have a pack of those. No You'll regret that all. choice when you get an Ogryn gang. <laughs> 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 Trying to squeeze two Ogryns on there. They don't um, deserve to be up there. I'm sorry. That, you know what I mean? If, if you have a 60 mil base, then it's not my fault if you can't get upstairs. 
that, that's why they're all removable. Um, yeah, it's uh, and and then it's also fun just to see what. So so the MDF that we're we're using the laser cut stuff, it's a different medium than the plastic, and it does different things. So what I'm most attracted to, I guess, is is what is it good at? And it's good at making bigger spaces, bigger flat kind of spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I think other companies do really cool stuff, making MDF look like plastic and act like plastic. Um, and it, I think that's cool, uh, but for me, it's it's like make it do what it does well, which is uh, be big and be flat and, and be um, a, a, a broader brush you can use to paint the board as opposed to trying to emulate you know, what they're doing with injection molding. There's no way you can beat what they're doing with injection molding. It's, it's no. gorgeous. It's fantastic. So let it's them the be good at that. It's the same with 3D printing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 3D printing is also stepping in in a big way more and more with the resin printers now where you don't get the, the horizontal lines, um, you know, the, going the striations in. striations as yep. it builds up the layers, yeah. Yeah, they get better and better, and uh, and that stuff looks fantastic. So it's like, let that be that. Um, but instead, let's explore these these other parts of the market where, yeah, these big planar surfaces, what can that build? What can that shape? Um, mm-hmm. How can we go up more? Um you know, how can we, we cre- increase the verticality of the board, that kind of stuff. So um, to me, that's uh, that's kind of the fun stuff. And then uh, just learning more about the tools, uh, learning more artistically, growing creatively in that sense. Uh, that's also been a lot of fun. No, man, and it's so. really exciting, obviously, that you've, you're in talks with these uh, different distributors so that you can kind of get this more available worldwide without the, the, the obviously really kind of heavy shipping fees that, like, say, from the UK, we pay... Um, to the from the US. I have no idea how Brexit's affecting all this. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> how not... much postage you're going to pay on everything. Now? <laughs> yeah, but, nobody seems to. That's that's a great question. It is, but it's it's one that's going to get me on my soapbox, and it's not one that I'll be able to get down from easily. So maybe for another time. <laughs> I thought I threw that soapbox away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I built another one. <laughs> uh. It's also um, so cool with that medium in particular. So, you know, you obviously design everything on the computer um, and then it's a relatively small file that you can just ship uh, or not even ship, just email, you know, across the world. And next thing you know, the exact thing that you labored on for so many hours, every little click, every little corner of it, it's it's sitting on someone else's workbench. Yeah, Um, it's like an STC. Halfway around the world, yeah. It's an STC. It is. Yeah, it's it's really kind of dizzying to think, well, wait a minute, how did you get that? that was mine I, I made that but now you have it and um yeah it's, it's kind of dizzying and um it's cool isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's really neat uh just uh to watch how the technology changes like that whilst we're, we're touching upon the design side of it if you, if you don't mind me asking because i've done a little bit of mdf design myself yeah what is it that you design in um so i design everything in illustrator ah yeah i do that too that's cool okay great, great um, yeah and, and is it just you doing it because it's a lot of work especially if you're like doing fiddly projects it is just me um yeah so uh it it, it is a lot of work um and i i do sit here clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking quite a <laughs> yeah. lot with the mouse um but uh that... that this just makes me even more impressed though by you kevin because that um smoothie maker <laughs> one of a better <laughs> term for it it it's just awesome and the how quickly you turn that around after i'd kind of alluded to you that that kind of thing might be a nice sort of set piece you, you did that so quickly and i did a fan boat for another company uh war games tournaments and they're selling it on their site now and that took me ages to make that uh, it's like you turned it around so quickly so it's like no wonder you've done so well with everything 
that was your fan boat. I liked that fan boat. That was a cool fan boat. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it is time consuming. But for me, that is that's the passion. So um, I don't have beautifully painted gangs. I, hell, I don't even have a beautifully painted uh, tabletop of terrain because um, that is just truly my creative um, outlet. So uh, yeah, I'm a little behind, and you know, kind of keeping the the gangs looking good. They're they're passable, but that that is 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 my creative thing, and um, it's it's what keeps me going. It's uh it's a way to kind of express myself and put that stuff out there, and um, yeah, it it is time consuming, especially when the sets get more complex. Um, making everything work together and uh, you know be the right height, um, and now you want the spiral stairs and just figuring out the math on that kind of stuff. Yeah, sorry um, about that. <laughs> oh no worries. Uh, so yeah, it, it it is time consuming, but uh, but it's fun. I've got to ask then, sort of like future projection, because we know the kind of thing that we can at least expect for the the next year uh, as a rough guide. But if we go back to that slideshow that they did at one of their expo things, I think it was up like a year or two ago now, where they listed off, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to go to the Ash Waste, we're going to go to the Isle of Celine. Are you sort of like thinking ahead for ideas on that already? Yeah, God. Um, I feel like the Ashway stuff has uh, a little bit more in that space. There's quite a bit of the sort of post-apocalyptic Mad Max. Um, so that stuff has been just a wee bit more figured out in the sense that it's not a, a gaping hole in the market. Um, but the other things you mentioned, it's it's dizzying. It, just the, the amount of creative potential, the worlds that have not been built yet, um, because we kind of figure, okay, Sector Mechanicus, well, we all kind of have a decently similar vision for that. There's these horizontal platforms and machine stuff and, um, you know, stairs and ladders and, and, yeah. and all that. Pipes but some and of tubes, these other... yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kind of your, your shoots and Very industrial. Thing. Yep, yep. Um, but some of these other things, it's like, God, there's just no, there's no limit to, to what you could possibly dream up and, and come up with. Um so I've got a couple things in the hopper that are a little bit weirder than than what I have, uh, you know, available right now. Some some ideas that I'm kind of toying around with, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it is exciting to be thinking about all those new settings, and I'm just really curious how much those get fleshed out uh, by GW, how much they'll circle around in future books and and really hit those locations and and make them central to the game, um, or if they'll kind of remain a little bit more peripheral. So um, nothing really firm yet, but uh, gosh, there's, there's a lot of cool sounding stuff. Right. So um, with with obviously the company being as successful as it has been, and surprisingly so for yourself and your wife <laughs> in that initial Kickstarter, is this is this how you make your bread and butter? Is this your only like, or, or do you have another job? And this is kind of a, a startup company on the that you're doing in the background. How, how how much of your time is this is this taken up? This is a total side gig. Uh, both my wife and I are public school teachers um, here in the U.S., and uh, that is an incredibly rewarding and awesome and time consuming um, career path. You sound uh, like you had a gun to the back of your head when you said that. <laughs> <to be honest laughs> <go. laughs> no, no, it's good. Uh, but but yeah, teaching is hard, and 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 that takes up a lot of our time and energy. So this is uh, all on the side from that. Now, luckily, in the last couple of years, I've been able to um, shift w what subject area I teach. I'm a middle school teacher, so for us, that's grades uh, 6 through 8, so the kids are, um, you know, I guess 11 through 13 um, in, in those uh, grade levels. And um, anyway, I've been able to start teaching some uh, engineering courses and uh, get a laser cutter going in my classroom. Um, so I've been having, teaching the kids, you know, just a, just a bit of, of ah, what I've been child doing. child labor force. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of do some laser cut projects and stuff like that. And then the kids say, well, uh, you know, how did you learn how to do this stuff? And I might show them the website or something and they look at all that stuff and they're just like, oh, my God, you know, this is uh, this is yours. This is what you do. And, and that's so that's always be a kind nice of fun. moment. Yeah, it's cool. Um, we haven't gotten a school uh, Necromunda club going yet, but that's uh, really? kind of I, I in the thought back that would have been the first thing that you did because that's again the perfect age range to kind of start getting into wargaming hobbying. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Get them, get them started young, and uh, you know, get that, get that hook in them, and um, and then yeah. they never do drugs because they'd be broke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're building your future customer base as well. It's it's that's like it. uh, it's very uh, cyclical. I like it. It's, uh, yeah, it's like a self-fulfilling right. prophecy recruiting the next round of juves um <laughs> into the gang there so uh so yeah it is it is kind of a side thing um in a in a very busy life uh but um yeah it's it's interesting what you make time for what you find time for ah yeah tell me about it <laughs> yeah well i, I feel i feel that we've we've connected with you a little bit more now kevin and i'm, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to scrap <laughs> off the war room for a month and actually talk to you seeing as you're good enough to come on the show with us no man yeah. can i just uh, highlight the difference between school in the 1980s in northeastern england and um 2020 idaho because uh, i would I, th- I know which school i'd rather have gone to if you're doing all laser cutting and stuff like that yeah <coughs> It's like the yeah. school of the future, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know kids. Kids don't know how good they have it anymore. They don't even have to uh, deal with pewter models anymore. You know, we were doing. Oh god, that, yeah. So. <laughs> it's like when they do the reprints. Uh, they did a reprint of uh, Cal Jericho and Scabs and uh, Mad Donna. Yeah, and I, I got both of them. And Mad Donna's still actually looking pretty good for her age, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but Cal Jericho, no, the model that they've just done now, though, it's oh, so much better. Okay, guys, I th- I think we've probably got enough of that, haven't we? So um, in which case, then, let's go head over to Becky Boone with her bestest battle gear and see what she's doing this time. Greetings, underhive scumbags! Hey, up, governor, do you need your plasma conduit scrubbed out? <coughs> Becky Boo. There's Becky. 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 Becky Boo. Apparently, some of you's listeners needs more than your plasma conduits cleaning out. Anyhow, once again, I'm here to do you a learn by educating you about the most awesomest, most spine-tingliest murder items to separate the phenomenal cosmic god-tier items from those that are bad. Like, super bad. Like, you happen to be walking below a pleasure dome when the janitor decides to empty his cleaning bucket out of the window. And there are some items that are that bad. Trust. But the pantaloon supporters were consulted, and y'all wanted to hear about the heavy bolter. The heavy bolter, so named for two reasons. Oh, one, because it's basically a giant bolter, firing bolter rounds. Though true, it's 
firing mechanism is different. All right, I give you that. It's an electric boogaloo surge that operates the firing of the rounds, rather than a pin slamming into the booty of the round casing. What, what? And two, because this some bitch weighs a ton, I literally cannot lift it off the ground. But these are obstacles that can be overcome. Firstly, despite official imperial documents saying that suspensors aren't that common, you can get one of those to make this floating light. Ha! Suspensors aren't common. Tell you, sir, I say you are talking complete hogswash. You'd go to any trading post on Necromunda and you'll find five of these things. Oh, you don't believe me. You explain how it's the first thing that every gang buys the second they get some creds in their stash. Hmm? Precisely. Ooh, conspiracy. Anyhow, once you get one of these doohickeys attached to your bruises undercarriage, it makes it somewhat more maneuverable. But for ultimate comfort and ease of use, you need to secure yourself one of these bad boys. The full servo harness. <laughs> I am Robotron, Exoskeletatanium. Was that Rock Creek Pillow? What you say about my mom? I beat ya! <laughs> Fear me, you breakable inanimate objects. <laughs> How'd I get a servo harness to fit a snap of a 16-year-old chew? Ask yourself this. Who's more likely to use a servo harness? A rich midget or a rich mountain of a terrain who's already dang strong? Yep, so it's actually more common to find the servo harnesses in the smaller sizes. <sighs> Anywho. This here bolter was kindly donated for my demonstration purposes by an all-lock gang by the name of the Red Tigers. And when I say donated, I mean they decide to leave it unattended for more than 30 seconds. Seriously, who expects to leave a costly weapon alone inside his highly secured armory? And it still be there when you come back. There wasn't even one booby trap. Ha! Red Tigers, let's hope your shirts don't fade out in their yearly wash, boys. Oh, peeps will be calling you the pink pussies. <laughs> so here I am in one of the slightly collapsed domes just outside of the sump city. And I have established a firing range of 10, 40, 100, 200, and 300 meters. 
We got dead giants, some slugs. What we use in the weapon trade for the ballistic tests. Because they're fleshy yet unedible consistency. We got them behind some flat, some mesh, and some light carapace armor. And the firing rate of these bitches is about 100 rounds a second. And in this here ammo backpack, it looks like the Red Tigers have been planning a pew-pew party. Cause I reckon there's about 12 to 1,100 rounds up in here. <laughs> now, let's fire this baby up. <laughs> and now, It pretty much goes through any target, given enough time and enough ammo. I heard gunfire down there in that bad dome. You reckon it's that girl? I'm doping some of the heavy bolts up. Uh-oh. Who's that down there? Dang. I didn't think pussies found me. Maybe they want that pew-pew back. That's fine. I'm done with it now. Uh-oh, half tremors. Le balls, I better skedaddle before this dome guns down on my bones. Time to bounce, listeners. See you next time. Let's get up. Okay, uh, thanks, Becky. Uh, hope that the uh, Red Tigers are not going to be too disappointed with their lack of ammo. How much does ammo cost in Necromunda again now? I always used to think that it was it was costed by the round. I think that must have been like the super hardcore way that I was playing it as a, as a teenager. But how much do you reckon the ammunition goes for? Well, for a heavy ball there, Jesus yeah. Christ! I, yeah, um, I just hope she's fast. That's all I can say. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, listeners, it is now time for shooting the shiz. Sir, there's shit on the horizon. Then what are you doing, man? Shoot it! It's time to shoot the shit. <laughs>
Okay, this time around, we are going to be splitting this into two sections because we did say previously that we were going to, in more detail, approach a different scenario every month. And the one that we've played for this month is the murder cyborg scenario. We did sort of touch upon it briefly last time, but now we should actually have some well-formed opinions on it because all of us have actually played this one. So we're going to talk about that first and then we're going to move on to tactics cards in a bit more detail afterwards. So, um, as I mentioned, we all played it. So, thoughts, guys? Kevin, let's let's hear from you. What did you think about Murder Cyborg? Murder Cyborg. <laughs> we just kept saying it back and forth the whole... Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think uh, it right off the bat, you know, wins the best title. Murder Cyborg. Yeah. Just, yeah. Some of them, like, you know, hit and run. It's Murder it's, Cyborg. It's definitely it's one of the more evocative ones. It's a fuck about title, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like... We know what's happening here. Yeah. There's going to be murder. There's going to be a cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you need? That's an evening um, right there. And and it was for us. Uh, yeah, so we played this one um, just as a skirmish uh, with a thousand cred gangs. Um, and uh, yeah, it was me with uh, kind of playtesting my, my uh, Orlock gang that I plan to bring into the next campaign um, versus my buddies first uh, go with his uh, Corpse Grinder. So uh, that was cool. It was also my first time uh, facing up against Corpse Grinder. So I was really oh. curious to see how the whole kind of thing would, would mesh up and, and go down. Um, so uh, I, I just love the dynamic of this thing. Um, I think it's a neat mechanic. Uh, the whole idea of kind of first blood, you know, draws out the cyborg. Um, so, so you don't know where it's going to drop. You don't know if you want it to drop on your side of the board. So you have the chance to kill it and, uh, you know, claim the bounty. Or if you want to drop it on your opponent, so it kills them. And then uh, kind of you're kind of both, the last man really. standing. Yeah. It's, al it's almost like you want it to appear on their side of the board, finish them off a bit, and then you can come in for the kill. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, in our particular uh, match, the uh, the um, corpse grinders made it across the board pretty quick. I was kind of um, hanging back with the orlocks and doing what I can to shoot, uh, while also dealing with the um, initiates. You know, kind of infiltrating the ranks and and mucking things up um, on on my side. Uh. Um, so what happened? So I had a uh, a ganger go down, um, and that is what triggered uh, the murder cyborg to pop out of his skin and. Um, Say surprise and, and start doing his thing. Yeah. Confetti explodes out along with a cyborg. Yeah. Kind of like weird pinata. <laughs> it's not full of candy, it's full of murder. My God, this pinata's full of murder. <laughs> oh, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they were two for one. Um, <laughs> so, uh,. The murder cyborg lived up to its name. Spoiler alert, uh, we had a total party kill on both sides of, of the board. Oh, um, Jesus we, Christ. Yeah. It, fair, it, he is a tough son of a bitch. It was wild, and, and we had chipped away at each other just a little bit before this thing showed up on the scene, but my God, there was no um, no quarter taken uh, but by this uh, exterminatus robot, um, which is funny because uh, it, we rolled the, the preservation protocols. So one of the other things that to me is fun about the mission is it plays completely differently whether you roll um you know extermination directive uh decapitation subroutine or preservation protocol yeah that's the one we got so theoretically it should have been running away but on its way to the edge of the board it killed everyone <laughs> everyone just happened to be standing in the way yeah well the 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 corpse grinders kept running up to it you know trying to take it down but god it, it just chewed through every single one of them um, so, uh, we, we had a couple firsts in this game, um, and a couple rules questions, I guess, actually, uh, for the first time we had one fighter with two downed opponents. 
um, in melee combat. So generally, uh, you know, that is the, uh, and I'm sorry, two different opponents from different gangs. Yeah. Um, so we were unclear as to what the coup de gras rules were going to be, if he was going to take out both of them or one of them. Um, and I think in the end we, we randomized it. So one person got taken out and the other was left, you know, bleeding oh, on the ground. I see. So he, he took out at the same time two opponents in hand-to-hand combat. Yes. Yeah, I can see the difficulty there because on a one-to-one basis, the rules aren't questionable really it's pretty clear but when you've got two there it's like well it's kind of a, a an, an additional action really isn't it so yeah yeah so the, do they get the two of them and um you know you would think it would happen every once in a while but just honestly in all the games we played that that has never happened um and then especially with with two you know so this is a three-way fight right you got the cyborg and then the two opposing gangs so does it matter if those two downed gangers are our allies or if they're from different gangs you know as far as the coup de gras rules yeah. how they read is is you have no other uh you know opponents in, engaged so yeah, interesting question yeah um i suppose that uh, not quite as difficult would have been if it had been two people from the same gang um it had been a case of the well the same same rules really isn't it because if uh, you'd have had one person taken down you can do it but if one of them is still standing there's no question there then is there really right right um but funnily enough i had kind of similar issues i mean again i was playing corpse grinders with mine and it was Escher that i was playing against but when the cyborg appeared if we're going by rules as written kind of thing any attacking fighter on a, um, a corpse grinder champion or leader they have to do willpower tests and yeah i think the stat is there for the murder cyborg but it's like really doesn't seem very thematic does it exactly that's exactly yeah. it. it wasn't thematic to have a terminator go you, you know, know what, what that guy, guy over there looks a bit scary oh he's got a scary, scary mask, mask. <laughs> yeah but after he's just pulled on somebody's spinal column but this is the problem, isn't it? Because this is comparatively quite an old scenario now. And if we're yeah. getting all these new traits and skills and things coming out from then and being used, you've got an outdated thing. So I just I just said straight away, even though it's my, kind of to my benefit, I'm just like, no, he's, he's a freaking Terminator. This is staffed. He's not going to do that. So we just yeah. ignored that. But that was, again, uh, sort of paralleling it. That what I found about this, there's a, some some things within this scenario that are a bit questionable when it comes to like how it's played. Another thing I found is that the murder cyborg not only has like ridiculous armor, full stops. I think it was what light carapace, is it? Light carapace, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he's also got a displacement field as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is, when you've got an armor that's that good anyway, and then a displacement field, what what's the differentiation between when you use one over the other? Is well, it I, just down I, to I personal the same choice? With his, same with his weaponry. I mean, he's got two um, bolter pistols and a combat yeah. shotgun or a shotgun with uh, execution rounds. It's like it. It's just down to the dude whose turn it is to control him to be like as as nasty as he wants to kind of his opponent. Yeah. My, my main takeaway from this mission is it relies on a few variables to make it a very different game. First off, is the opponent that you're playing. Now, is that opponent going to try and screw you over at every opportunity? Or are they going to form a bit of a united front and concentrate on the murder cyborg? Again, that's going to change the game completely. The gangs that are used, like kind of the ranged on melee, he's an absolute beast at melee, but that's what I chose to do to fight him. Yeah. Um, that wasn't how he was taken out, I'll explain that in a bit. And then the protocol, like uh, Kevin mentioned, like we rolled the, um, not the decapitation, the other one, what is it? Um, the murder everything. Extermination. 
Yeah, extermination. Yeah, where he just wants yeah, to kill everything. Yeah, that's the one I got as well. <laughs> and I, I was I was dreading it because I read read it before. Obviously, we went over to Peter to play it again. We just did a skirmish game, so it was out of any kind of campaign. So that again changed how I played the game because I didn't care. It wasn't like I was going, oh, I need to put like um, keep players in reserve. Do you know what I mean? Or, or worry about creds made so that I can buy back reinforcements or take people to the dock. I just thought it's a new gang. I've never played with them before. I'm, I'm just going to run in and go for it and, and see what happens. Because I, I wasn't familiar with how Cordor played. So I was like, there's no point going in all tactical because I don't know how the tactics work. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know how this gang works for me. Yeah. So I just thought, sod it. And I ran my leader up with a chain glaive and I'd put um, bull charge on him. So that, that's like a really cool kind of um, melee skill. But what I'd done is I'd been working out which tactic, because you choose your tactics card for this one. Um, and I'd chosen um, blood... The one that gives you stim slug stash, but with none of the negatives. Oh, is it blood surge? Blood surge. That's it. Thank you. But I put the wrong one back in the box, and I took a different card with us. So my plan was get me leader up as close as I can, charge him with a chain glaive. He'll get the plus one for his um, bull charge, and then the the, the um, blood surge on top of that is extra strength, extra um, charge distance, uh, extra toughness. I thought. If that doesn't take him down, or at least do the majority of it, then we're pretty scuppered. Do you know what I mean? Because he, he was probably my my heaviest hitter, apart from my bomb rats, but I'll yeah. get onto them in a minute. I'll completely impractical they are if you've got them on a low-intelligence guy. I think I'm going to stick them on a leader or a champ next time I, I try bomb rats, because my bomb rat dude, put the bomb rat next to the base, roll, fail the intelligence check, rolled a hit on the scatter, boom, my little dude's on fire, and that was him out of the... He wasn't out of the game. He, was, he, he didn't die. He didn't even... I don't even think he even took a wound. He just... He's just running around useless every turn, yeah. getting up, having to run around, lying down again. That um, is with the, the bomb rats and, and corpse grinders, I guess, really. What I like is that those aspects of it, which are adding more flavour, it's actually making people boost different stats because... You know, not it's the obvious thing. Oh, let's go for let's go for wounds. Let's go for attacks. Let's go for toughness and strength. You know those ones. There's no way to increase intelligence, movement. though, is there? Yeah, nobody really wants to do willpower or intelligence. But when Wait, you've got bombs, I don't, rats, I don't think of... you can. I don't think you can boost your intelligence. There's no gear to do it. There's no tactics to do it. There's nothing that boosts your intelligence. Yeah, so I don't even. Be I don't even think XP. you can take it as a skill increase in. Um, you know when you do like you, when you get a boost when you you gather enough experience to go up a level. You, I don't I think you've sworn you could. Because I've done it before with Cordor. I was listening to the other, somebody the other day. I was listening to a podcast and they were saying that there's no. I'd have to look into it myself, but I just took what they said as kind of gospel because you know I mean they they play regular, but mm. it's not something I'd ever thought to do because intelligence was never really used. Yeah. Or it's used so rarely. That you just think, oh, what's the point? You know, I'd rather have another shot or an easier shot or an extra toughness, you know, because they're the obvious ones that kind of give you immediate kind of yeah. gratification for taking it. And so with um, corpse grinders, it's the willpower thing, though, isn't it? With those masks, so people yeah. are actually going to have to consider whether it's worth boosting that, especially on uh-huh. well, what was previously Goliath gangs. I don't know if that's the case now or not. Interestingly, any stat boost for those in the gray box would also only count for half as much. Uh, mathematically, because if you are rolling a 2d6, you know, it's it's the, the total of the, t- the two dice, so it's not exactly oh, yeah. half as much impact, but it's something like that. 
hadn't thought of that before, but you're right. No, no, yeah. sure. Neither had I until just this moment. Because, yeah, it never occurred to me to, to spend anything on, on leadership, cool willpower, or intelligence. Because, um, yeah, how often does that come up? But It's, it's not have... as cool, is it? That's, that's what it comes yeah. down to. Ballistic it's like, skill is a lot more compelling, yeah. Absolutely. Or, or like an extra inch movement or whatever. That's that's incredible. Yeah, right. And you know that's going to make a... a um, a, a, a concrete difference in the next game you know what i mean you know you're gonna or i, I like him because i know he's a little bit faster i like him because i know he shoots a little more kind of more um consistently um but yeah essentially what ended up happening was we took a, little, a couple of shots at each other but um one of his did i had a juve knocked out and it didn't trigger the murder cyborg because obviously you roll on a d6, is it, to, to see if he turns into a yeah. murder cyborg or not, whether he takes a wound, is pinned, etc. On a um, five up, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then I'd taken out one of his dudes just just with a wound, and he triggered the murder cyborg. He so his guy became the murder cyborg. Um, but we found that the murder cyborg stayed exactly where he was. He did not move because we were kind of well. Pete had got himself like holed up in a building because he's got these like hub block um, MDF buildings. Um, he'd got like three guys into this one building that was his leader, a champ, and this other guy crawled in because he was he was injured. <coughs> um, and and Pete could have quite easily let that murder cyborg turn around and just deal with me because I was in plain sight, and then come out after I'd been uh, annihilated and just mop up. But what he did was he ended up. We both concentrated fire on the murder cyborg because that's like the the biggest threat on the board. Um, he, I took a point off it in close combat. Then he, I think I took another point off it. He took three. With, no, he took the last three off it, and I think it's got five wounds, has it? Yeah. So I'd taken two. He took the last three, or possibly he'd taken one. I can't. I can't remember exactly without the notes. Um. But essentially, he took the last three off it. But in order to get rid of the murder cyborg, you have to coup de gras it. My little ganger just ran up, coup de gras it, so I get the victory for it, which was. So uh, I'm I'm kind of curious to to know because this is something that reading the rules as written, I was struggling to fully sort of actualize. I think um, it says that the per the player who's got priority is the one who controls what the yeah. murder cyborg does. When does that happen? No, that that's a note I've got here as well. Is at what point is he activating? Yeah, is it the? I mean, you could say okay, maybe is it at the beginning of everyone's turn before anyone else moves? Is it at the end? Is it whenever you fancy? Because that's when you can start getting a bit cleverer with it. I think because you're like, well, technically he's really close to my guy right now, but if I activate that guy first, I can make him run away, meaning that my opponent's person uh, like ganger is actually closer to him now because that was one of the the things i i don't know if it's just to do with the um eliminate everyone role but it said something about always going for the nearest person yep closest model yeah yeah we had the same exact question and i think we came around to the beginning of the turn before anyone else went uh the cyborg would always go first um kind of for the reasons that that you just came up with but yeah. i think the first time we played this scenario a couple months back um Every activation we had some, uh, like on a, on a six, the cyborg would activate, so it could even activate multiple times per turn. Oh. Um, of course, at that point in the campaign, our gang ratings were more, you know, in that 1800 kind of uh, 2000 yeah, range. Yeah, beefed up, yeah. Yeah, so we needed to kind of inject a little more uh, into the into the cyborg to keep it, you know, keep it, keep it sporting. But, um, 
Yeah, we had the same question. It, it just wasn't clear. That's the thing then, really, isn't it? I think this is perhaps where house ruling is going to come in to a lot to this this specific scenario. Yeah. Because there are lots of questions like this. Again, it's like with the displacement field I've got, when would you use that over light carapace? It's, it, I mean, the conclusion we came to was that uh, if you've got like a model on the board that's got a LAS cannon um, or something that's got a very heavy like minus AP and it's like a one-shot job, it would be better to try risking the displacement field at that point because it is a case of you have to pick one or the other if i'm not mistaken isn't it i think that's true you you uh yeah specify which one you want to use and then i think the field armor has the benefit of not being the subject to ap yes um like you just said so if you do get hit with that melt gun um you've got that field and the downside potentially is the the random um displacement which i i love that as a mechanic that's yeah so it's fun. really cool um, there, you know, brings me back to like the second edition war gear cards where the displacer field was always the, um, you know, one of the big ones. Um, so yeah, I, I love that kind of throwback piece of war gear it has. No, that's cool. But, um, as I say that, that, that those are the kind of questions that I think that if they were to revisit this scenario, a little bit of clarification would probably be really useful for it. But I think it just comes back to my earlier point about the, the way it kind of, the, the variables do change the game dramatically. Whereas if Peter decided to he could have stayed hunkered down in that building while that murder cyborg just came and because he'd have been controlling on his priority turns he could have decided it's going to use the displacer field or it's going to use the shotgun or it's going to use the the bolt pistols and that again comes down to how how evil your opponent's feeling i guess because with the displacer Mm. field obviously he might end up in that building so it might he might think, oh, I'll use that to defend against this attack, and then it just warps like six inches ahead into a building where the only thing it can see is his three guys in there, including his leader, a champion, and an already yeah. seriously injured guy. <laughs> so cool. yeah, it, it's fun. It's a really, I think it's a really fun and different way to play. But um, I, I'd like to play it in the middle of a campaign and see how differently I approach it. Because, oh, yeah. yeah, I was entirely laissez-faire, didn't give a shit, you know what I mean? It was like, balls to the wall, let's get in and do it. Oh, because it's you know? a skirmish, yeah, yeah. 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 But I've, I've got more questions as well for this one, because especially yeah. from Corpse Grinders being you, they brought in uh, a, a trait called Sever, and if I recall from memory uh, the correct wording of this, it's if you reduce a model to zero wounds, then or past zero wounds then that's it. They're done. They're off the board. With the murder cyborg scenario, it's not about the number of wounds that you're taking off. It's the toughness, isn't it? Because you've got to keep chipping away at that toughness till he has none left, and that's yeah. your opportunity to then take him out. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, that's that's the way we've played right. it. Yep. it. It's five, isn't it? And you can take five wounds, and once yeah. he's taken the five wounds, you can then kill him. Well, it's almost like eight wounds. Yeah, exactly. So with Sever, that can bypasses it. I would argue yeah. that you would just ignore that then. Uh, just yeah. personally, like listening to you talk about now without any real time to to um, to think about it, to mull it over, is that otherwise corpse grinder have an extra... Do you know what I mean? They get they, they get like a free pass on the murder cyborg, essentially, as long as you've got a couple of guys with sever and they manage to get in there and get those wounds down. They have an easier 
chance yeah. they have a higher chance of, of putting the murder cyborg down than any other gang does yeah ironically no other... the one person i had with sever was at the back of the board of like getting everyone else excited so they could run across quicker to get get to yeah the <laughs> so he was yeah. then spending the rest of the time trying to catch up with everyone else but it is an interesting question though and it that is the kind of thing that a rules um nazi would come along and go well actually i've got sever and sever read as written says but again if you're playing with a guy like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the other question I had was, um, the murder cyborg had a bit of text where it says he cannot be pinned. Yeah. So how do you deal with situations where when you roll seriously injured on the dice, when it's like, well, what are you supposed to do? Is he supposed to be on the floor now in that kind of state to represent seriously injured? Or is he never allowed to touch the floor? Because I was having a bit of a conversation backwards and forwards with James, the guy I was playing with this one. It's like, it's not really clear. Do you kind of see where I'm going with this? About it being useful as some kind of clarification as to how that mechanic works for him. Yeah, I'd, we just played it as he's unstoppable. Nothing put him down until he it was his final. Like now, now you're down, kind of thing. Once all his wounds had gone, we allowed him to lay down to enable the coup de gras, but not until then. So it didn't matter what we rolled. Nothing counted except the. Uh, he also had that ability to heal flesh wounds, didn't they? Yeah, he can make a toughness check. I think. Does he get him back? Yeah, I think he does. Um, Regen. That, oh, what is it? It's that skill, isn't it? Someone, someone's, someone somewhere is crying out. Yeah. It's this one right now. No, uh, no, unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Unstoppable. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. That, he, he never actually regenerated any wounds with us. So I mean, in theory, that makes him even scarier. Honestly, it's the quickest game of Necromunda I've ever played. I've never played a game so fast. And it was like, oh, oh, finished. Because I'd, I'd allowed till like nine o'clock as I was using public transport to get home. Um, but I was desperate to get the game in before we recorded the podcast. It was the only opportunity. So like, I got myself kind of set to, you know what I mean, get a good two and a half, three hour game in. And we were done in like an hour and a half, not even that, an hour, really? I'd yeah. say. Yeah. And so to me... The murder cyborg wasn't. I'd had it built up in my head as this, you know, what I mean, indestructible, um, unstoppable behemoth. That just, yeah, he was a bit of a wet fart for us. He stood in one place. He took it's funny one guy. How we've all had different experiences yeah. on this same but, scenario. Yeah. Then that that shows that it's a really flexible and kind of good scenario. In one in in one sense, and the other is. I don't know, did we play it wrong? Did we miss some rules or something? Or or did the confusion in the rules kind of, you know what I mean? Well, this is the thing that I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of address if we're going to take a scenario at a time and, and look at it. Um, because I had a completely different experience. Mine was grueling. It was it was like, I think, two or three uh, corpse grinders with an Escher trying to shoot it in the back from a distance with a plasma gun. And it just took forever to wear this thing down. And this is with like a corpse grinder leader with heavy chain cleavers. And I just trying to chip off those the toughnesses to get it down to the point where you can do something. Because they'd then have a swipe back at them and then slowly be knocking their toughness down as well. But they're still standing. Yeah, that's the thing about the fact that it never gets knocked off its feet. It always strikes back in melee. So, And when it does, it packs a punch. You know, the yes. two bolt pistols, three Very attacks, so. weapon but, skill, three up. What if you have knockback? Because this is something that I did. Mike, ah. dude, did have knockback oh, yeah. because of um, blood. Uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, Bull charge. Um, yep. Plus and it, one strength and knockback. Yeah. yeah, plus one yeah. strength and knockback. 
but I forgot to do the, to apply the knockback so that when he came to his retaliation, he just basically took me leader pretty much out. But if I'd have had that distance put, then I've still got a versatile weapon in my hand with a two-inch range with a chain glaive. So I could have essentially got another attacking at him pretty much for free. Yeah. So that seems like a good way to tackle the murder cyborg if you're going to do melee is with knockback. And if I'd have taken the extra strength um, and toughness and charge distance that I would have got from um, the stim slug stash uh, proxy... Then I could have I could feasibly taken him out in in one one attack. He, yeah, the, those chain glaives are nasty bits of kit if you get them. Oh yeah, the the uh, versatile one it really yeah. helps. Yeah, you take yeah. the minus one on your melee if you're base to base, but you know when you're getting a charge and you're getting like what three attacks plus one for your chain glaive, you know plus one for your whatever it is that you you're adding on, you're getting them extra attacks. That you got a pretty good chance of whittling those wounds down, but again, it played so differently for us. He never regenerated. He's displaced the field. Never kicked in. He only used his carapace armor as kind of a as a defense mechanism. Um, so yeah, maybe it could have been entirely different, and he could have just kind of appeared behind somebody and snapped their neck like a twig. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah. That was that's kind of my experience though. It's it's just a really tough, grueling thing. I, I mean, there are Escher kind of like floating around, waiting for me to like knock it down enough that they could run in and steal the kill. I think, but it, by the end of it, yeah, it was a, it was the corpse grinders that got it, but it wasn't easy. So that's the thing as well. You say about the variation on this. You you did it very easily and very quickly, whereas it was a long time for me. So I don't know. I think. Does it come down to the actual rules as they're written at the moment and maybe clarification or, or rather interpretation of that as to whether this becomes a more difficult or easier scenario? Yeah, the first time we played it, it was definitely not as as grueling. I think we had some fast shot plasma, you know, Vansar champions who made pretty quick work. Um, so just not having those types of skills did turn it into that more grueling thing, although grueling is not the right word because he just so quickly slaughtered both of our gangs. Um which I thought was tremendous fun, and and I think part of the uh, randomness of it, or um, you know how how each one is quite different. Uh, for me, that's one of the things that I love the most about the scenario. I think um, Necromunda as a game and as a world is just a deeply random place, and uh, you know anyone who gets too um, cocky should you know hopefully uh, run into some bad luck before too long. So I, I just love that about the whole setting. So the fact that this scenario kind of plays like that uh, to me is is wonderful. Um, and I think, yeah, just some clarification, uh, mostly about when it goes. Um, but I think, you know, for, for us reading the rules, it was fairly clear that it wouldn't get knocked off its feet until it was actually down. And I think it, it kind of referred to that it may still crawl as a double action. Um, you know, so, so at that point it was clear to us, okay, that is the moment when it actually goes down. Let's go. So shit out the luck if you're all seriously injured for it, basically, yeah, because it does (laughs) fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think as a encompassing overview of that then, it might be worth saying that, especially with these new advanced rules that we're getting as we re- revisit the original houses and we've got the newer gangs like the Corpse Grind and stuff, it's probably worth considering that just opening up a book and going, oh, let's play that scenario, we've not played that in ages, isn't quite as easy as maybe that anymore. It's a case of that if you want to play a scenario, maybe sit down before time and work out with either an arbitrator or an opponent 
how to deal with these potential problems in advance so that yeah. it's nice smooth sailing once you actually get into the game uh, and once you've reached a consensus then you've both agreed so there's nobody getting bitchy or like say when you've got like when you described having two guys from two different gangs both on their asses both about to be coup de grade do you do you say no he only gets the one and randomly roll and then nobody can bitch and moan that you know what i mean or oh, you just favored him or is it the person who He's has controlling pro- yeah yeah because obviously they're not going to stomp their own guy into the curb, are they? They're going to choose to stomp yours. But, but again, it comes back that that's what Necromunda is. It's a random, crazy, batshit show of like unpredictable and surprising and funny and humorous and fucking frustrating at times. Things that yeah. you just cannot call. <laughs> you cannot predict. You cannot. Like people go, it's not very balanced. No, it fucking isn't. No, it really, really isn't. But that's what that's what's so cool about it. You know, you get uh, melee monsters that I've killed with a juve, with a knife and a pistol. Yeah, it it happens. You, you, you ultimately, it's a it's it's a game of chance with the dice, and then with tactics cards thrown in and the different builds thrown in. You know what I mean? There's so many random things that can just throw your plans straight down the drain. You know what I mean? They just fully flush down the toilet because you're rolling ones when, you know what I mean? That, that That's not right. I've just charged you with my Goliath leader. You're a scrappy little Escher juve and yet you've taken me out of action in one round of uh, close combat. In this match, we I had my Orlock leader, you know, three wounds, servo claw, bolt pistol, you know, leading the boys into combat. Um, the first uh, corpse grinder initiate who kind of comes around the corner um, gets the charge off on a, on a six, you know, and, and closes the distance, gets to attack first, and he's got his uh, bone sword, um, hits twice, wounds twice, it's minus two on the mesh armor, yep. so no armor save. Um, so Orlock leader straight out of the game, the very first blood drawn. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there you go. As soon as you get to feeling too confident, well, here comes a, uh, you know, initiate with his, his boner sword, and he's going to come up and... <laughs> boner sword, yeah. Absolutely. He's going to stick it that, to That's you. exactly what happened with one of my um, initiates as well. I took out an Escher leader, uh, and it's like, you know, this guy's supposed to be the, the low-ranking guy in this in this gang, if that's what we're going to call it that, but, you know, they're, they're super tough. Anyway, uh, I think that'll probably be a nice line to draw under that scenario, as it were, and go speak to your arbitrator or opponent before playing this because it does need a bit of rejiggering, perhaps considering a lot of things. So, tactics cards. Let's hey. talk about those. So, we've got a couple of little things here that we need to sort of work our way through. Just make sense of this. So, what are tactics cards? They are incredibly hard to get hold of pieces of cardboard from Games Workshop. <laughs> um, but, yeah, okay, well, I think this is probably a good a, as place as any to mention that kind of thing. Tactics cards, the, they add a lot to the game, in my opinion. They add an unknown variable because it's not part of the pre-done scenario that you're playing it's it's something that is held back that you don't know what your opponent's got you don't know if he's going to pull out that click card just when you you get the big guns going or you don't know if he's gonna suddenly go no actually you're not gonna hit me i'm gonna hit you in the face my favorite it's a nice added bonus to games i think and i it's one of the things about the new version of necromunda that i actually really like however that said the availability of the cards has been a known issue for a while now and i think that this has accumulated in the goliath cards that have just been re-released and i do say re-released because 
the information that's been put out there now is that there are some reworded older cards, but there's a load of new ones in there as well. So if you are a Goliath player, you do need to get those cards, really. But then we've also said about the table that's at the back of the book. So hopefully that covers everything. But then again, it might not. It, what if there's cards that are still valid that that doesn't cover? So the point I'm getting towards with this at the moment is is kind of what what's going on with it? What's what's going on? I, I did actually email the Games Workshop Necromunda sort of FAQ team and stuff and sort of say, look, is there like an official statement as to what's happening with the cards? And they've gone, basically, no, there's no official statement as yet. We'll pass it on to someone who might be able to answer that question as and when this happens. But for now, no. So, I mean, let, let's, let's talk more generically about the, the tactics cards and their availability at this point. What, what, what are our thoughts on this? Sure. So that has been an issue for our, for our playgroup, making sure that everyone feels like they're on an even keel with who has access to what tactics cards and... Um, yeah, it has been an issue for us, things going out of print so quickly. Um, we ended up finding some online resources uh, that I won't mention specifically that had... Um... Oh, we've mentioned it loads of times, you cool. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, we, we had to go to the PDFs, and, and I feel badly doing that. It's not in an effort to, you know, circumvent uh, buying anything, because we, we would buy it if it was available to, to be purchased. But uh, I think it ended up, for my group, just a bit murky as to what cards were even out there, who had access to what, yeah. what version was what. So there was a, an awful lot of confusion around it for us. Um, some things are pretty clear, you know, the, the universal cards, you, you can kind of see what they do and, and whatnot. But the um, gang-specific ones, uh, yeah, there's just some confusion. So quite often in our games, um, we'll just let people decide, you know, game for game, what, what they want to do about tactics cards. And for the most part, we find people just saying, you know what, we're going to skip that bit. Um, it, it streamlines things just a little bit. Uh, we play, um, on a good week, we'll play twice a week, uh, one weeknight and one weekend. So on the weekend games where we're a little less time sensitive, we're more likely to, to break into the decks and, and get, get some tactics cards going. But on a weeknight match where we want things to run fairly quickly, um, as often as not, we, we won't reach for them. Yeah, I suppose that's fair because it does, it is a aspect of the game that when you take it away, will speed the game up. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, this is, is worth considering. I mean, when you do use tactics cards, do you go by the sort of the word as written where it's like a, you may choose tactics cards or did your gaming group decide like many others have to go, you know what, let's just randomize it? Yeah, we're we're in the same boat with randomization. Um, I think you can tend towards sameness when things are, are chosen. Um, so the ones that are obviously the most powerful uh, tactics cards get included every game, and then there's some that uh, you know you, you never see. So uh, for me, again, spirit of randomness. Woohoo! Um, yeah, we 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 uh, tend to always do random choice. Yeah, yeah, that's what my gaming group's done as well. Um, Chris, yours has done something similar, haven't they? Um, right. First off, they weren't in the original iteration of the game. They weren't in the early 2000 kind of relaunch that a lot of people got into it with, where it was just the book released and some models. So you didn't get the the, the big box set or anything and initially i was a little like well, what's all this about and then kind of i got the obviously the ones that came in the but the the base game and i thought they were really cool thematic and the term gets thrown because i can't think of a better one but cinematic moments so those real kind of 
oh my fucking god, I definitely had a victory within my sights. You've pulled this magic card out and it's thrown everything. They've, you know they've what become I mean? a game changer. Yeah. yeah, when they release Goliath, Goliath are very different. Automatically, toughness and strength's increased and they're a little bit slower. Escher, a bit faster. Um, better um, is it an initiative or cool, I can't remember. It means that you can leap around initiative, and kind definitely. Of not fall too quickly. And obviously the house armory, the, the house lists that you get give you a little bit of flavour in that respect. But really, other than the law, for most of the gang, like I mean, you, like Orlock are pretty much basic across the board. They're supposed to have clean, kind of really well-maintained weaponry. And uh, in Delac, you know, how do you how do you incorporate the sneakiness into ah, the base I see. gang? So, so what you're saying is, is that the cards are a means of uh, emphasising certain aspects. Absolutely, of the I think, and, and when it works well, like with Delac, with Escher, um, with uh, some of Vansar, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of Corpse Grinders. It's really powerful and really thematic, and I think it's it's a great aspect of the game. Massively hampered and tarnished by the fact that they just fucking sell out so fast. And my issue isn't with the amount that's produced. My issue isn't with the fact that GW can't just say, right, restart that press. I know we've got seven different or ten different game systems and we've got to make cards for each one. You know what I mean? They can't do that for us because we say, I missed out. It's the motherfuckers who buy 100 packs and they're guaranteed. I go on eBay and I can pick a pack of these new Goliath ones up for 20, 30 quid or whatever. And that'll climb and climb and climb until you're paying... Like, people charging a hundred and odd quid for a pack of yeah, underdog stuff, cards. And like those that's, underdog cards, nobody's That's what leaves now. a fucking nasty taste in people's mouths. And that, unfortunately, falls on GW's shoulders because they're the guys who make it, you know what I mean? And I don't know what the answer is. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's like, I, I would really appreciate an honest answer from Games Workshop just to go, look, you know something cocked up somewhere or this is the problem that we're facing or there's this statistics that we have to run off of to work out what we're going to print and we don't feel that the algorithm's right yet you know if there was just some kind of statement from someone even if it was just a comment on twitch i i think everyone would really appreciate it i think it would be it would be welcomed rather than sort of people going ah you idiots or you know something along those lines because it would just help to let us understand what's happening with it but and what um, i think the the way they've addressed it is by putting them in the books and that's great but but and, they've not said that that's what they're doing and i think no, that's no, the key they missing said bit. It, but it's like when when cards come out i'm assuming from now on when tactics cards come out there'll be house associated cards there'll be no generic ones and that's everyone's cards and I think they'll, you know, there's, there's a chance they'll just phase out the older tactics cards. Oh, that that that's dangerous words there, Chris. Well, considering you know there what are some, that's some what people a lot that of groups, have bought a lot. Stephen, that's what a lot of groups are going to do. They're either going to take the route of printing out the PDF or the um the kind of the ones that are done on the Magic the Gathering style yeah. cards. I have no yeah. issue with that. They aren't for sale anymore. GW aren't losing any money on that. I'm afraid. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're not printing anymore. Yes, we would buy them, but these—they aren't a big money maker for GW. They aren't cards. Cards no. can't be. You know what I mean? They—they're not—they don't have the, the the profit margin that the, the plastic models. Well, it's are something have. that they don't print themselves, is it? So it's like if you look on the back of the packs, it says "Made in China." Now I wondered if perhaps that might be because of 
um, the coronavirus. coronavirus. Yeah. Huh. I wondered oh if God. that might have been an affecting factor, that maybe there was only so many that they could actually get shipped out. Um, because some of them have been held up in customs for you know for security purposes, making sure that nothing's being transmitted. And I thought if they'd have just gone, thought this is the situation and that is what it was, everyone would have gone. You know what? That's cool because we know that they'll get some more out at a later point. So everyone could have just calm down a bit. But when you've got a situation where what's his name? It's Tony in our group. Um, he put up his post where he'd successfully placed an order with Games Workshop, and then however long it was that passed a couple of days later maybe but basically the day before they were due to drop he's got an email from them going sorry we're fucked up at our end we thought we had more than we did so you can't have your cards that's really fucking um, generous of you putting that down coronavirus mate but unless coronavirus <laughs> has been an, a secret <laughs> thing that they've kept from us for the last like yeah I, exactly the same thing happened yeah, with underdog cards they were in my bus i bought them I'd, I'd had your, your sales gone through, and then a week later, because well, I'd got them on the pre-order, a week later when they were due to release, I was on holiday at the time, got an email saying, um, oh, we that's not in our warehouse, that thing that you ordered. And that was it. Yeah. We'll refund your money. So you so had like, the same situation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is odd. I, I think just uh, as a company, their their opacity is, is a little strange and, and a little too tight, I think, for my liking. It's like, come on, you know, you guys are humans in there. I know you, you probably are. So, um, yeah, just talk to us. Tell us what's going on. And yeah. um, clearly, we love your products. We are so fully invested yeah. in your products. No one's I mean, going anywhere. The issue anywhere. is we want to buy stuff. That's, that's the fucking yeah. frustrating thing. Is it's like <laughs> I'm not mourning because you've sold something – sorry, sold, sold me something like – inferior or less quality than I expected or you know what I mean oh these are shit I, I've never thought that it's it, I can't give you my fucking money shut up and take my money what's going on do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah um, and when that's but... dice I don't mind because fucking dice are the, the baubles the peripheral it doesn't matter you know what I mean I can use the dice they don't the affect the game, game in the they same don't. way that the cards no. do but yeah. if somebody's bringing Say, like, um, you're asking me how, like, different groups approach the use of them. Now, if you're using the full deck, your house and all of the generic ones, I think uh, Goonhammer worked it out, you've got a 6% chance of getting a card, a card. That's a 6% chance of you pulling a card that you want. That's a fucking shit. What, if shitty. you're using all of them? If you're using all of them and yeah. you just random draw in the game, that's fucking ridiculous. And chances are you're going to be pulling one of those shit ones that nobody wants. Do you know what I mean? And there are shit ones. And it's good that there's shit ones if, you, if you're doing that. Because then it guarantees that you don't get two fucking people. Well, I'm taking click and look me find every time. All right, you've clicked me plasma cannon. That's look probably find. why we've had yeah, a yeah. lot of groups go, you know what, let's, let's pick a number that sounds fair. Like I think some groups have said 12 and my group said 20 because I know other groups have done that. And we go, make a deck of 20 of your preferred cards, and then you randomly draw from that, like either with uh, two extra beyond what you'd actually require for that game or something along those lines, and then you just draw down to the ones that you need. So, I mean, I th people have come up with a very good system for managing the, the sheer quantity of cards, and Goonhammer, bless them, with that review that they did and their little table they've got, which is searchable as well, that's been really useful for me, um, not being overwhelmed with the amount of cards. Yeah, so like when I did absolutely. my Corpse Grinder deck recently, um, after those cards came out, I incorporated that and rejigged the uh, the deck a little bit. And um, I found that that was really helpful in working out what 
would actually be useful for my gang uh, and playing to their strengths and, and what cards weren't so good. I mean, and what you said as well, touching upon a point you made about the availability of certain cards um, and that how that affects things. There were cards that I saw in that list that I had never heard of before. And it's like, well, where did they come from? And it actually lists on their um, spreadsheet kind of thing yeah, which where those cards came from. from yeah. And they were from the underdog pack. And I was like... Ah, that's why I've never heard of that one uh-huh. because I've never even seen one of those packs before. No. So well, that's your trick too. Uh, Mid game, if someone whips out a card that you've never even seen before, now you yeah. have to say, okay, well, and and the game stops when, and I think that's what we were referring to as the slowdown. The game stops when someone has to read the card, comprehend the card, you know, kind of parse out how it's going to work in this situation, and then resume the pace. So if your gaming group is completely, uh, you know, well-read on all the new rules and releases and cards, then that's fine. But if you got some people who are not, you know, voraciously gobbling every every bit as it's released, it, it does slow things down to add in that, that uh, extra thing. And also just from an equal footing kind of point of view... Um, making sure that everyone has, you know, we all have the books, so we all have access to the weapons rules and the gang rules and and yada yada. But if not everyone has all the cards, it doesn't feel like everyone has access to all those rules. So when they hit you in the middle of a game, um, yeah, you you possibly have never seen that before. You're absolutely right. You can end up being hit with a um, variety of rule or change to the game that is just something you've not come across before and it can really slow things down then. Yeah, which is cool in certain circumstances. You know, it's a surprise, it's new texture, but, um, you know, it can also be, uh, be a bit of a road bump. Yeah, it could be a fucking sucker punch when somebody just pulls out <laughs> history of violence at the beginning of a game and you lose your leader or your champ for that game. I mean, the, some of the cards are ridiculously OP, some of them are pointless taken, and some of them are just really fun and silly and kind of, you know what I mean? Um, I really like them. I wish they were more easily available. I hope that this new direction they're taking shows that they are addressing that they are yeah it would be nice to get a public statement but i think if they address it like uh, if they address it practically and with with that Honestly, kind of action nice. but it's not even that i mean like house of chains is obviously the way the rest of the books are going to release you're going to get a yeah. tactics card for He's each setting a very good template yeah that that's cool i hope that doesn't mean that all of the other tactics cards uh, are just gone now and that you, you obviously you're gonna to have to choose in your individual groups which way you go um do you just use the ones that are available for everyone because another um like ian longson who i mentioned earlier with his um with his podcast dorm runners podcast yes. mm-hmm. he's running an event at nova now fully aware of the issues with tactic cards and the availability of them what he's done he's and uh, the gangbang guys did this for one of their campaigns is they just made a deck of cards. Everybody gets the same cards. You all, you know, they made them for the tournament, for the for for the kind of campaign yeah. event. Everybody gets a pack of those who's playing in that event. You don't get the other ones, so nobody's got an edge over anybody else. But then it comes back to, well, do you then still include house cards to kind of give them that flavour? Yeah. Uh, so I'll, you, in that circumstance, they might have had a set list of house ones that you could choose yeah i mean that, that's up to him and up to his group and up to yeah. the kind of the the people who enter that tournament how they approach that but yeah it again it comes down to the the agency of the arbitrator or your group that go well we like cards we don't like 
certain cards let's ban them we don't like the fact that the same guard get played every game let's maybe limit them to once a campaign or once a game or you know what i mean whatever whatever the system is you know what your cards are depleted and they're gone which can work um is it kind of uh you, you get to choose your cards. I, I love games where you choose your cards because I really think it gives you that kind of forward planning, but also that randomization of out of a deck of pre-chosen 20, so you're still not going to get a turd card. You're not going to like pull a turkey out. It might not be applicable to that moment, maybe, but yeah. it could still, you know what I mean, swing a game and, and create a, a, full, a fun, cool moment, you know what I mean, that you're all going to laugh about later. Um, yeah. I, I think I think they're great. I love. Uh, what did I put here? Um, my opinion, fucking awesome, cinematic, game changing, frustrating in a good way. Because so you know, essentially, what we've got here is a list of pros and cons. Well, these are all these are all good. I want more. <laughs> I, I think they're great, the I th- and I think keep bringing them out. I think it's a good thing. But yeah, if it has to be a list, then let it be a list, and we'll just kind of we'll go with that. I I I would quite like. A comprehensive list of them all. Yes. And if if that means buying the books and the books have them all in and they're all the cards, great. That that's cool. Like and then you avoid those moments where you're like, oh, I've never heard of that card. What? All of a sudden you've got a lazy unicorn that immediately kills my entire gang in in one hit, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I know there's nothing quite that stupid, but uh, was that in the book of peril? I I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, lazy unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> Black market pony made yeah. of diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the system for using them didn't work particularly well for the same reason I said is you know if I've got loads of good cards, you know, and it's all right saying bring all of the deck across. Well, I could just say yeah, I brought everything I own and it's loaded with you know what I mean, twenty amazing cards. I know I'm going to get to use some of those cool cards in a campaign. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. But <clears throat> if you're going buy the book and you're using all of the cards and you're getting a good card on a 6% of the, you know what I mean, 6% chance yeah. of getting a good card, then they're not great and they are a bit okay, broken well, and they do just slow I, stuff I down. I agree with that if they, that's the way that they're going with it, that yes, that's what we should be doing um, because that will stop this availability problem. My my only concern with that is because there's, as we've discussed and as we read in the back of the book, there's ways that that can be dealt with that for like for... Um, either randomizing it or secreting it to one side, and you can either write it down beforehand or whatever. There's ways of dealing with it. But yeah. my only concern is that we've got all of these cards now that we've spent quite a lot of money on, and they might then turn around and go, nah, you can't use any of those old ones now. So if they can find a way to go, okay, here's a list of all of them, and even if it's like a, they bring out another generic rule book and it goes, here's all the generic ones, so that's all cool, but then you use that in tandem with it, whichever book is your gang that you're playing. If they do that, and then you can just pick from both lists, I'm fine with that. That's cool. Yeah, I think that the lists solve a lot of our problems and concerns. And, um, you know, just PDF it, too. I mean, God, a, a, a couple things like that, I think, would, would work really well for the PDF. And, and they know we're going to buy every single book. So if it's a question of, you know making their money with the books. I, I, I don't think this is that. It, it's it's a rule set that we all need access to. So yeah. yeah, just PDF it. It'd be easy to keep it dynamic, keep it updated. We could download new versions when they bring out new stuff. Um, I, I think a little bit more of that kind of behavior would go a long way. Yeah. You know I what? I, I think generally, because we had a lo- list of points here, listeners, that we wanted to sort of touch upon. And I, I think we've, we've kind of hit 
pretty much everything. I mean, uh, I could go into more detail about the deck that I've built for corpse grinders and and whatnot, but you know, I, th- I think we've we've generically just c- covered a lot. Yeah, of I wouldn't mind just a quick go over the kind of. I mean, we we know what tactic cards are. I'm assuming most people who are listening to, but maybe not everyone. So it'd be nice to kind of just. So your types, you've got like environmental, so things like um, dangerous foot, and it changes the environment itself, like um, turning out the lights, stuff like that. You get yeah. buffs and debuffs. Um, you get infer a skill. So like, say you didn't have this skill or no access to this skill, this card gives you that skill. It uh, adds an extra weapon or um, war gear, like such as armor or grenade uh, yes. or trap. Then you get like a fucking, I've put it down here as no, 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 no card, which is things like Last Gasp, where they've just taken your guy out, all of a sudden he explodes in a fucking five inch blast marker. Would uh, uh, Hard Stop be classed as one of those cards? Because I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like fuck you, a big fuck you card. And then you've got Flavor <laughs> Enhancers, which is my favourite thing about them, which is that yeah. kind of um, the Darkness Descends for Delac, Informant for Enforcers. Do you know what I mean? Um, the Let It Burn for Cordor. They fit the gang and, and and add more flavor to that. I mean, if you buy Cordor out the box, you get hand flamers. There's no, there's no, you know what I mean? They're supposed to be the house that, that, that burns the heretic. And I know that's more redemptionist, but you, you get what I'm saying? It, it's, it adds that all of a sudden every projectile weapon is now, every ranged weapon's now got flame, the blaze trait added to it for this activation. That's cool as fuck and very, very corridor. That, 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 yeah, that's my favourite aspect of them. But yeah, they're they're essentially the different forms of card that you can get and that's that's what they add to the game. Um, Do you want to pick out any favourites or anything like that or any ones you you don't like? Well, I can do. I mean, I I know that Click is a favourite for a lot of people, but that's not my bag. Um, For me, absolutely hard stop. I love that card because whenever you get a charge on someone, that's the time when it's like, yes, I'm going to fuck you up now, boy. And it's like, no. (laughs) No, you're not. I'm going to hit you in the face now. How the hell does that even work? And especially if you're, um, it's one of those critical moments where as you charge in, you know that you've got lucky because you're getting the first hit and the first hit is often the last one, if you see my point. Um, It just completely flips that situation on its head. So if someone goes, yes, I've passed the willpower, I'm now going to smash this like corpse grinder in the face. That's going to take him off the board. It's going to change this. Oh, no, now he's hitting me with these big chain cleavers. Oh, damn. So, you know, it's that kind of situation. I just love flipping it on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones would be, I mean, CZ Initiative is a pretty good one for all situations, really. There's always that situation where you're like, if I don't get this priority, I am in trouble. So that card is brilliant for that. Um, quick Time, I don't know if that's a favourite for anyone else, but it is for me because it's a potentially ongoing effect for the game. Um, it gives one of your models because it's one of those slide this card under the fighter's card kind of deals. And it gives you two extra inches of movement permanently until you roll, I think it's a one. Um, so it's really useful for getting people around the board a lot quicker. Um, group tactics, getting more people activated at the same time at different areas of the board, that's always a good one. So those are all included in my day. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put up a post on the group um, where we just ask each other to 
and I'm going to have to make sure I don't say this in a South African accent, show each other their decks. So it's like, <laughs> let's get your decks out, lads, and let's all have pictures or, you know, yeah, Show me your of, dick, mate. Yeah. Show me your dick. One, yeah. It's a nice so, dick. Uh, so we'll, so, we'll so do that. We'll get the list. A deck pick thread. I've got a couple of, I mean, like the Blood Surge, that's so cool. Um, Let It Burn for Corridor's great. Adrenaline Surge with an extra action. Things like Tainted Meat. As well. it's awesome. Tainted Meat. You can just chuck a minus one toughness on somebody. That's class. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, and because I, I like to play Vansart Rapid Fire because a free uh, shoot action is always yeah. extra sexy for... Uh, Maybe yeah. subconsciously that's where I got the name for that segment from. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah, for my uh, Cardor gang in my... Our... Last um, campaign, the Call of the Faithful was uh, yes. definitely a go-to. Those that's extra my fighters. Favorite yeah. card. Yep, to get that strength in numbers. Because that's what they're all about. Yep. Yeah. When you when you botch that roll for your gang size to to get that one out is fantastic. And then um, Effigy of the Damned is uh, you know just just pure recreation, um, setting an entire board tile oh, ablaze. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, yeah, fantastic and, and, and cinematic and uh, pretty fun as the Cador player. Not so good for everyone else, though. <laughs> nope. Nope. But I think Cador could use a couple a couple feathers in their hat. Uh, you know, they, they, they could use a couple things like that. So I didn't feel that badly playing that one. No, no. Nice. Uh, other than going through each card individually and saying which one we like and which one we don't, you know, I can't really see any more to kind of cover on that, I think. Yeah, um, that's good. Great. Okay. Well, as I say, we we will put a post up in the group um, asking people to show us your decks, um, <laughs> and we can then sort of discuss that amongst ourselves, really, and sort of uh, talk over what's good and what's not. So, Great. okay. So that's it for shooting the shiz. What we're going to do now then is we're going to go over to a new show associate, and if I understand correctly, again, this one's called Salacious Paul. Is that Salacious correct? Salacious Paul. Yeah. The uh, the Delac uh, gossip columnist. <laughs> Right, let's see how this one goes. Thank you very much, boys. Salacious Paul here, bringing you the juiciest rumours and the dirtiest secrets from all over Necromunda. My little surveillance service goals have been bringing me whispers to present to you, the listeners. Apparently, a new venue in the entertainment district, Club Eleganza, just finished a huge refurb. Soft furnishings juxtaposing the grim industrial gothic architecture to create a contrasting aesthetic of religious violence offset by an ostentatious luxury. Hmm. Very interesting, I'm sure you'll agree. My uh, sources also tell me that although there is a female-only policy, that there is a strong smell of sausages. Mm. And the refuse reclamators have hinted at an industrial quantity of waxing strips that are playing havoc with their recycling plants. Suspicious. I'm sure you'll agree. My next little tidbit begs the question, what happens when two gang leaders can't hit the broadside of a bulkhead? The answer? 
Not a fucking great deal, as the rat-hole angels of House Orlok and the iron skulls of House Goliath demonstrated as they fought for territory in Hyphrasia. Both games went home empty-handed and nursing sore heads. Very, very embarrassing for both gangs, I'm sure you'll agree. Perhaps uh, the Iron Skulls will make a new play for the contested territory with new recruits from the House Esperance. Or maybe they'll just fill one of the lands full of stims and bring a fucking zerker, eh? <laughs> Could get very messy, I'm sure you'll agree. I've also been investigating rumours of a reptilian wider and their unusual steed. Honestly, you couldn't make this shit up. Also, there's been uh, rumblings about Thick Mike and his commandos. They've been swinging their dicks on the wobbly fighting platform in the combat arena. <laughs> Very tasty, I'm sure you'll agree. Why don't you get yourself down there? Maybe place a bet, or if you fancy your chances, get involved. Also, I've been hearing about tensions rising in the fight for fuckery spire in Townsville. I'll keep you posted as I hear more. Speaking of whispers, there's a new bunch of lads walking around town calling themselves the Death Eaters. Well, keep an eye out for those boys. But if you're worried, Frank Shanks is always open for business. He cooked the most up-to-date hardware. Well, if you're just a little low creds at the moment, I'm sure he'll sell you a big stick with a nail in it. Okay, that's pretty much it for me for this time. But one more message. Apparently, the local planning committee wants to speak to a, a, a ne'er do well by the name of Carl Rigby. Calls himself the Cyclops. Yeah, apparently, they want to talk to him about the matter with 30 tons of missing plastoon and furrow creep. Apparently, the orphanage is really gonna need that back. I don't know what it means, but it's very interesting. I'm sure you'll agree. You are now about to witness some city radio. Right, okay, so, um, obviously a really good in-depth uh, shoot the shit about uh, murder cyborg and tactics cards, and that takes us on to our monthly section, It's Your Letters. It's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters. Right, okay, so, um, I put a shout out for some letters this morning, and uh, you guys have not disappointed. Um... Dirty pictures of underhive under deviants. So, greeting fellow hivers. I am Baffo, an obsessive converter and listener follower of your esteemed show since it started. 
I did not send anything for the recent pit fight competition since I did not have the time or funds to participate in this year's tribe mate. But uh, I guess you might still like to see some dirty pictures of some of my Necromunda related conversions, especially the pit fight and the uh, themed Goliaths. This should be quite fitting. So here's a link to my Yak Tribe forum. We will put the the link in the post for you all to see. Um, besides that, I also happen to be the local arbitrator, and I'm working on a modified campaign system that revolves around scrap gathering and custom gang base fortification. That sounds really cool. Uh, think XCOM style uh, base management tech research, looted mech suits, vehicles, and even ships. Uh, if you're curious, here's a link to another yak thread about it. We certainly are, and we certainly will look into that. Um, uh, maybe the links might give you some ideas for discussion. Feel free to email me if you want more details about my conversions and our customs, uh, campaign and base management rules. It all sounds really cool. Excellent! Anyway, keep the good work and cheers, Baffo. Thanks very much, Baffo. That sounds awesome. Um, and it sounds exactly like the kind of customization that um, makes Necromunda as cool as it is. So we'll definitely be looking into that and we'll definitely be putting some links uh, up to your work and possibly uh, asking you some more questions about that in the future. Nice. Um, okay, this one's a question. Uh, and I can tell that because the title is, okay, here's a question for the cast. Did you say how I did that? <laughs> Uh, you, all right. Okay, so this is from uh, Onyx of the Bloodstones clan of House Goliath. I do love it when Goliath's message. Um, <laughs> which famous bounty hunter would win a free for all brawl in the blood pits? Who would you bet your creds on getting scragged the fastest? And that's Ooh. from uh, Onyx of the uh, Bloodstones clan of House Goliath. Go on then, guys. When they say the cast, do they mean like Cannabella and Blitz and Krieg and all that? As well, or do they just mean us? Or the classic bounty hunters of, of lore? Is that is that what he's referring to? I'm I'm assuming he means the bounty hunters in the in the game. So like, oh sorry, I meant the question is for the cast. I just wondered if you meant all the the other guys. Oh, that I I have well. I know more information than what I, I read to you. Um, okay, um, so I'm assuming well, it's from us. Right, uh, so which I, famous I guess bounty it, hunters? That that's the that's the key word there, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean Bulgorg. That's a classic throwback for you there. I mean, assuming that if he's not still roaming around somewhere, uh, it, was he classed as a bounty hunter? I don't know. No, he's a pit fighter, wasn't he? He was, yeah. But then they had that whole uprising thing, and then he disappeared, yeah. and people don't know if he's still about or not. But, you know, it's legendary kind of status at the moment. But was he classed as a, a bounty hunter? I don't know. I can't, I can't remember, because he's from the original. But isn't he kind of been resurfaced as an Ogren in the... House of Chains. I think Simon had put something like oh, that on. That's interesting. Yeah, so that'd be something we'd have. To put. But yeah, I don't have stats for him, so I, I don't know how well he'd do. But if there it's Bulldog. There was a uh, character. Hang on, let me have a look at the front of the book. Yeah, there was a chap called uh, Attilus the Axe, who's a pit tyrant bounty hunter. Mm. Um, he had a big, like, very scary looking weapon arm thing in there, but I don't know if it's Bulgor. Maybe that's what Simon's referring to. I'll have to read oh, it. Possibly, without seeing the book, I can't really, yeah. uh, can't really go more into detail. But who would you put your money on, bounty hunter wise, now? Kev? Like, out of the bounty hunters that come out of the, the books Ooh, that we've had so far? Yeah. Um, scabs. Scabs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. Yeah, I guess you'd get good odds on scabs, so if you did win. <laughs> your your return would be quite high, but yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, no, that that, that works for me. I, I know I'm very much in uh, the uh, 
corpse grind the corner at the moment, but I've got to say, I think the, the Harvest Lord would probably have something to say about it because he is classed as a bounty hunter. So he, he's a scary motherfucker. I think maybe the Eightfold Harvest Lord would probably be in with a good shot of that. See, that was that was my first instinct, but then I thought, all right, Eightfold Harvest Lord sizes up a meat harvest and he sees scabs. That's yeah, not going to... Yeah. Normal ones yeah, eat scabs. Yeah. Natural <laughs> defense mechanism right there. So that's that's why I had to go scabs. Yeah, no, I think you might Is anyone else just picturing there, Baldrick when they think of scabs? Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially it. But yeah, other than that, I, I would struggle. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, compared to some that you'd get... Uh, was it Freak Storm? I don't think he'd do quite as well against some of the others. No, see, I fucking love him. I think he's really cool. But yeah, it, I wouldn't fancy his chances against the um, Harvest Lord. Or Scabs, for that matter. Because <laughs> Scabs has a plasma gun, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cal Jericho, he's got, what, he's got twin um, twin hot shot pistols. Is that right? He does, doesn't I he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Pistols. Dueling yeah. Sabre. Yeah. And he's a bit of a lucky bastard who seems to get through some scripts, so I reckon uh, he'd do pretty Plot well. armor, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is a plus seven armor save. He's, <laughs> he's got books to write, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, he's got graphic novels to sell. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a really nice question, actually. It's a really good question. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, it's Matthew Darnell, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cheers, Matthew. Oh, mastercrafted Las Pistols, not, uh-huh. uh, not the hotshot ones, so even better. Um, yeah, uh, right, um, where are we now? Oh, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to someone who's about to start planning a campaign based on more on narrative than whoever wins the most games? And what alternative to the Goliath stimmers do you think the other gangs will get? An Escher, Amazonian, or perhaps a different kind of role as opposed to just an oversized version? As I'm a huge fan of the little stories that happen during a game, what has been your most enjoyable moment to happen in game that's become a story between you and your fellow players? That's a really, it's three good questions. Four, okay, I so, think, but yeah. <laughs> um, but so um, the first one, uh, what advice would you give to somebody uh, who's about to start planning a campaign based on narrative more than kind of who wins the most games and tallies that up? Yeah. Um, I guess... Careful. Instead of using randomly generated scenarios, structure them in more of a kind of a. We were saying about when we went through like a basic kind of rundown of scenarios. How oh yeah, most of us had never played any of them because they don't turn up. Um, playing something like the uh, the uprising campaign, uh, that's extremely narrative. Depends entirely on narrative, and it's got a clear beginning and end. You know, it, it doesn't just roll on and on and on. Um, Dominion campaign, maybe not so much the law and misrule. That kind of has a nice narrative theme to it that makes it less about winning each game. I think. What about yourselves? How how would you advise somebody? To... I think starting with a strong sense of place where you are in the hive and, and investing a little bit of time and just you know describing uh, the setting. Um, that's a great way to kind of frame things up. Um, having a map. Uh, so people can kind of yeah, visualize yeah, what's shot. going on, yeah, territory-wise, where where you're fighting, why you're fighting. Um, that's kind of a cool little twist. And then um, our favorite stuff narratively has been uh, big multiplayer games. So we had a couple opportunities to put five and six gangs on a, on a table all at once. Wow. And the stuff that would happen during those gangs, that was just epic. You know, it just gives it that extra little bit of um of of just stake in the game uh so so that was always a lot of fun kind of planning towards those events and then having those happen and then that impacts uh you know other things in the campaign 
So that's kind of what I would say. I, I agree with all of that. I'd probably say um, something similar lines, which is that just spend a lot of time thinking about the story that you want to tell. So it ties in with what Kev said about all the little details about the map, where are you in the hive, that kind of thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's exactly what I've done for games before and people really liked it. It's like if you've got plots that can sort of intertwine with each other, you know, almost like when you get um, the Buffy TV show, it's like Monster of the Week, and then a bigger overarching plot that takes the whole season, that kind of thing. Yep. So it's like if you get like lots of little stories and one big story in there as well, it just makes it more interesting and keeps the excitement up between games as well. Definitely. And maybe kind of considering things like grudges and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. um, maybe that has get, like in-game effects and um, balancing, using certain scenarios to balance um, kind of a campaign so that if you do get kind of runaway... Um, winners, uh, people who were like just just getting all of the creds, all of the experience, all of the advancement. Maybe throwing a spanner in the works, you know, not in a yeah. vindictive nasty way, yeah. but just to narratively balance it out and make it as fun for those other people who are trailing behind a little bit. Um, you could even think- consider the mechanics of the actual campaign itself, because I know that with um, and by we, um, me and Craig, RIP. Uh, spent a lot of time uh, talking about um, customised ongoing campaign systems. Uh, and we, we we talked about having all kinds of different details in there and mechanics to help balance the game for everyone at all times. And therefore, it would kind of drive out uh, competitiveness in the sense of, I am just going to smash you into the ground and get everything and be the best. It would be more of a who can do the coolest shit and who can make the most interesting gangs and backstories and things like that and sort of try and force that forwards. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of that boils down to uh, just making that explicit with your, with your group, which um, may sound a little cheese ball, but just to say, Hey guys, the, 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 this is what we're going to try to do with this. Um, So, so to just put that out on the table and be really upfront about that from the beginning um, and, and telling people, yeah, if gangs get a little too far ahead, we are going to do things to pull you in and it's not to, to ding you. It's just to keep it all, um, you know, with that fun narrative feel. So I think saying some of those things beforehand can be a good move as well. That's good. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Don't just pull a shitty trick on somebody and say, right now you have to fight all of these guys and I've taken all of your weapons off you. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) That's not so cool. I mean, lots of different ideas there, but um, I'm sure that our listeners can come up with a thousand more. So if, if any of you guys want to take the mantle with that and, and get get a post up on the on the community group, please do. Uh, it's a really great question, actually. Uh, the second one, what alternative to the Goliath Stimmers do you think the other gangs will have? And again, do you think it'll be like more of the same? Or And I think we touched on that earlier, didn't we? So he's probably yeah. had an answer to that question in that, Yes and no. Yes, it'll it it shows that there'll be differences in structure, but no, they probably all won't mimic the exact template of the Goliath, and they'll all have their own individual kind of structures. So I don't know if it's just me, but where he says like Anesha Amazonian, um, I am thinking that if they do something like that, where they've got a very large, you know, kind of uh, almost muscle bound, I guess, like bodybuilder type uh, female Statuesque, character. Yeah. They have to have an additional skill table with a skill called Death by Snoo Snoo. And it's <laughs> going to be where they, like, literally, instead of like coup de them, 
they like take them off the board as a, an immediate ransom or something, but they come back not quite the same. You know, yeah. <laughs> something the, like that. The snapped pelvis. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing. Yeah. Movement speed reduced. I don't know. It's something like that. <laughs> Death by Snoo Snoo has to be a skill on that somewhere. Yeah, I hope they don't take that angle of just growing, you know, just to, just a, a bigger model for, for yeah. each or, or what can kind of be the Hulk or the Brute. Um, yeah, do a strength and numbers thing. Do a uh, another boon, um, something to give it a little more flavor. And um, I, I think they will. It seems to be the direction they're going. Yeah. I really hope they don't go for the size thing on everything as well, because it's going to be Forge World doing it, and they're expensive, yo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the last one, as I'm a fan of the little stories that happen during a game, what has been your most enjoyable moment um, to happen in a game that's become a story between you and your fellow players? As short as possible, I feel, for this one. <laughs> yeah, just one each. Just one little like thing that you've, you've either found funny or, or, or exciting or annoying or has gone down in, in your local group's law. If I can be really cheeky and just mention a few, but it'd be really quick ones. First off, other people's stories where they make juve bombs because there's actually like benefits from doing that. Getting juves to jump off of something really high and landing people's heads. Hilarious. Love it. Um, the, one of the very first games I played of New Necromunda has become a running joke, and it's about it was where they had the door mechanic in the old version, and if you get caught in the door, then you get hit, and my Goliath leader strode through this door he just opened. They played, nope, that card. It killed him outright. <laughs> and my Goliaths have been ever so slightly nervous of doors ever since. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other one I would mention is um, if you build the right kit for a pit fighter, you can have a ridiculous run. Um, my Cordor champion with a rock saw had um, quick time activated, stims activated, and he had a um, grav shoot. So he was up really high, and there was a guy quite a distance away on the board and he was like nah you're not gonna fucking get to me activate all of that drop off the building no problem that's half the distance gone already and then with the uh the charge and the stims and and with quick time as well it made it to him just and just sliced him up no problem so it was just a really nice thing to like cover that kind of distance and not be a corpse grinder <laughs> uh, kevin he stand out warms um, there was uh, a Goliath leader who got just a little bit too close to um, one of those ventilation duct fans and the uh, you know hazardous <laughs> tiles and the the zone mortalis and um, got sucked right in and just uh, made minced meat and and double double sixed right right out of this <laughs> right out of this world. Um, which was pretty hilarious. Uh, and one thing that my group does to just kind of aid the the story based or cinematic is anytime someone does roll a boxcar, as you know, a, a straight death right in the middle of the game, uh, we keep a bottle of red gore uh, paint handy, and we'll paint a permanent blood stain there on the terrain where that happened. That's awesome. Um, so. Every future game, and, and I've seen that before in other groups, I think it's fantastic. Every future game, there was the spot where that happened. So it kind that of puts those, That's those such things a cool into legend. Touch. I'd never even thought of that. That's really cool. Like yeah, that. it's kind of like experience points for the terrain. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, shows the wear and tear. Yeah. Um, well, for myself, um, the, the two that stand out are the, the kind of first time I've come up against a rule. So the first one was, uh, as it was called at the time, I think it was, it's Gast Harvest now anyway, I won't reiterate the old, we all know what it was called, um, Gast Harvest, and uh, I was playing with my brother, and he had a guy who was just hacking creds and creds and creds, like harvesting the gast. So I sent my guy thinking, 
that he's he's he's, he's He's ploughing ahead of me with creds. When we come to the end of this game, he's going to be buying all kinds of cool toys and, and, and little men to kind of come back and kill me. So I threw my guy in, failed it on the first, rolled where he becomes controlled by the opposite team and pretty much wiped out like 50% of my gang, my own player, which was really frustrating. But it like just showed how cool and swingy a game of Necromunic can be. And the other time was um, the first time I'd encountered Blaze. I'd invested in Vansar and my brother had got Cordor. And like I, I, at first I was like, oh, Cordor, you know, this scruffy kind of hobo priests, yeah, whatever. Uh, as long as I stay away from a long rifle or a heavy crossbow, I'll be sweet. And then he's juve, or no, it wasn't a juve, it was a ganger, runs around the corner with a hand flamer in like a group of about five others because you know the word that Cordor and like multi activate if they've got um a totem and the the skills and stuff to suit and the tactics cards to suit so he just storms around the corner against my highly kind of technically tilled up vansar who i've enjoyed kind of just shooting people from across the board and taking them out you know fast shot hip shot with uh, yeah, plaslas yeah, yeah. and he just ran around the corner set me uh dual plasma pistol woman on fire she went running away i thought oh that's all right because you can <laughs> you can get assistance to put the fire out oh no because they just run 2d6 nobody has that kind of movement on them so to catch up with them is impossible once they're on fire unless they're amongst a load of other people chances are they're going to spend the rest of the game on fire unless you really really look at your role you know what i mean that uh, they put out the flames um that was class really enjoyed that and the other one was arachnarig now i'd spent Ages making it, and it was a test game. And I'd said, right, if you take loads of your corridor, can I bring like if you take the extra points in corridor, can I bring my Arachnarig? And he was like, yeah, well, cool, we'll have a, we'll a test skirmish game. And it was the reason it was a standout moment for me was because for the first half of the game, I was like, I, I don't know how to use this. It doesn't. It's like a mobile gun platform, but it's also a bit of a bullet sponge. Everybody sees it and wants to kill it because they know kind of how effective it can be. And I couldn't get it. It doesn't need to be over height. Doesn't need to be on the ground. Doesn't need to be behind cover. Doesn't need to be moving forward in the battle. I couldn't figure out how to use it tactically. And eventually, I got it up the far side of a board, so the 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 right hand side of the board, um, where a lot of the buildings were like creating a slim alleyway up the the very extreme of the board, um, with with cuts through into the different buildings. And I'd got him in a, on a corner, just hidden around the 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 edge of the corner. He came around the corner with about five corridor, including that dirty little hand flamer that I'd had experience with in another game. And I just moved it out, literally sidestepped it, and just unleashed hell and annihilated like five gangers in one go with a twin link las carbine. And it wow. was just a thing of beauty. And it was like, it was, it was the thing it did. It was the fact it took out that fucking hand flamer, which I can't stand. But it was mainly... After, like, most of the game, I'd figured out there's a, a really effective way of using this, and it can be quite fucking monstrous once it gets going. But what I really want to do with an arachnorig is get it into melee, because that's when it's going to be a fucking beast. Anyway, yeah, that's my kind of standy out moments so nice. far. Cool. Okay, right. Well, I believe that's all the letters, isn't it? That's, that's all the letters, yeah. No, and that was Kevin Rowland. Sorry, Kevin Rowland. They, they were great questions, man. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Kev. Um, right, speaking of, of Kev, other Kevin, um, 
people have sat here for nearly four hours listening to this now, and I suspect that either they've been very patient wanting to know if they've won certain competitions that we may have run last time, or if uh, <laughs> they might possibly skip to the end, hoping that that's what they're going to find. But um, this is the bit, I suppose, where we need to announce who's actually won these competitions. Yes. So, okay, so yeah, let's, let's get this competition thing done. So here we are. Insert drum roll noise here. For the winner of the scenario competition, after much debate and black eyes and bruises, the three of us came to the conclusion that the winner is David Bartholomew. Yeah. Well done, man. Personality. His scenario. Congratulations, David. Lots of imagination, lots of work uh, clearly put into that scenario. So very well done. We enjoyed it. It was really good. Yeah. Um, And there were a lot of people that put in a lot of very good scenarios. What I would like to do is actively encourage them to share those scenarios with the rest of the group. I don't want to speak for you and share it in case, you know, it was a, a very personal piece of work and you, you don't feel comfortable with it being shared to the group. But if you do feel comfortable with that, please share them because they were all very, very cool. Now, here's a little additional Brucey bonus and the UK people might get that of a certain age, <laughs> Kevin has decided that we're actually going to have a runner-up prize. Ooh, excitement. Ooh, who is it? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, we got so many great uh, submissions. It was really hard, honestly, to narrow it down even to a top three. And from there, it was so hard to winnow it down to uh, just a single winner. So we felt like uh, we wanted to throw a little bit more um, acknowledgement out. And uh, I'll let you go ahead and announce that. So... Drum roll. The mystery second prize winner is Chris King. Yeah. Nice one, well Chris. Done, payday yeah, really loans good, Chris. or payday moans, depending on whether you're looking at the title or the actual header of the document. We, I, we really liked this one because it got all of our characters in on it as well. Um, so you've got Cannabella, Klaus, all of that. They're all in there. So it was just really cool. We really liked, and the, the amount of time he'd spent working out the stats and their equipment and all this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, well done, Chris. Thank you very much for that and putting. And I'd just like it. to mirror Kevin's uh, point and say they were all amazing, and the effort that people went to finding the fonts and the backgrounds and and oh, writing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? There was some amazing mechanics in there that I, I would like to see Games Workshop actually use in, in oh, some yeah, definitely. in some missions and some scenarios. And please, if you if if you'd like us to share them anonymously, let us know, and we'll do that. But we really think the community would benefit from kind of seeing the imagination that some of you mad bastards have. So thank you. Cool. Yeah, it would be great fun to read uh, reports of people playing these. You know, I wish we had yes. a chance to play all and these pictures. We like uh, pictures. Scenarios. Yep, yep, exactly. So it'd be great to hear people play them through and uh, submit what they think. And uh, David Bartholomew, when you get all of your shiny Promethean Forge stuff your way, get pictures of that, please, as well, because we'd really like to see that, especially if you manage to get the time to paint it up, although I do realise that's a very pressing thing these days. So David Bartholomew and Chris King, please get in contact with us through uh, email or on the Facebook page, that's cool, and we will put you in touch with Kevin from Promethean Forge. So, moving swiftly on, we have the uh, champion competition as we're calling it for the ticket to yak tribes yak or was it tribe meat 2020 um see previous episode for all the plugs and details as to what happens at that but um 
we had a number of entries on this, pretty much very last minute ones as well. People were taking a lot of time to make sure they, they did these right when they put them in. Let's get straight to it. Drum roll. The winner is James Stevenson. Yeah. James Woo! Stevenson with the Beast of Balls over. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, <laughs> I know that he built this specifically for the competition. He ordered in parts for it. Um, he's painted it up. He's done the you know all the the bits that we asked for it and we just thought it looked really cool um it'd be, be a nice intimidating model to have on the board so yeah james get in contact with us through the same means either through email or on the facebook page messenger and we will get that sorted out so that you can attend yak tribes yak meet 2020 yeah yeah man and don't yeah, forget awesome. to come over and say hello when you're there dude because we'll be there um covering some events so yeah We've got T-shirts now and everything, so hey. uh, you know come, you'll be able to. You'll spot be able us. to spot us from a mile away. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so as for everyone else, again, same thing. There was a lot of effort put into that, and it was a very difficult decision. Um, we could only pick one winner for that, though, because Yak Tribe are proper stacked to the rafters with Necromunda players at that event. It was literally the last ticket that they had available. So, uh, thank you everyone for putting in all the hard work on that one. So yeah, last couple of bits then very quickly. We have more competitions. Yeah, that's right. We're going to keep you coming back. They all coming back for more. Back, back, back for more. Because, you know, that's what you want. Prizes, not to listen to us. So, <laughs> okay, let's again cut to the chase on this one. Long story short, um, I've actually managed to get hold of a deck of the new Goliath Tactics cards. I know that some people have been having issues with that in the, the group already. So, yeah, I'm trying to spread the wealth here. I, I saw the opportunity. I thought it's better that they come through us than through a scalper because through us you get it for free, right? So... Um, what I would like for this one, it's a simple like and share job, guys. I will put up a post into the group. Um, and if you can like show us like either screen captures or something like that, that you have shared our group. Um, if you want to do it on Instagram as well, that would be cool. Um, but ideally through Facebook or any other means, just send us pictures. Um, you can do it as much as you like in whatever format you like, but we'll just count one entry per person just to sort of keep it nice and simple for everyone. Okay. Um, so please spread the love, let, spread the news, let everyone know about our group, and then we will get a big list of everyone, random number generator, pick someone off of that, and then they can win that for next month. And also, second competition, this does require a little bit more explanation. For my own personal enjoyment, um, myself and Jess Lee ordered some Corpse Grinder t-shirts that I designed, where it's the I will put up a picture, it's the Corpse Grinder logo in the middle, and it says, Sump City Corpse Grinder Cooking Club on it, because we thought that was kind of funny. Okay, so when I ordered it, though, it turned up in the wrong colour. Um, instead of it being red on a black t-shirt, it was pink on a black t-shirt. So there, these t-shirts are essentially being reprinted for me and Jess Lee. Again, we're not selling them. Okay, I want to make that very clear because obviously it's a copyrighted logo. We just did them for shits and giggles. However, what I thought is that seeing as it's pink and as some of you may have heard in the previous episode, um, Adele, my fiance, who voices a lot of our female characters, not all of them, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Sadly, it's still an ongoing thing, um, and we do thank you very much for all of the messages that we've had come through about that, so thank you very much for that. But I thought, you know what, it's pink, why don't we do it as a, a charity donation competition? So if you want 
either a 2XL version of this t-shirt or a large version of this t-shirt, then um, I will put up a post, pop your name uh, down on into, the, into that post with a picture of you donating to any cancer charity, any amount of your choosing. Okay, I'm not going to dictate to you what you've got to do with that. Any amount that you want to a cancer charity, pop in a picture to show that you've done that, and then you'll be entered into the competition. Again, you can do it as much as you like, and you can donate as much as you like. One entry per person. Let's keep it nice and simple, hey, folks? So, yeah, and I will give you that T-shirt for free. Can't really argue with that. Another two competitions. Not bad, really, is it? I will make sure all those posts get up. That's that. That's the competitions dealt with. Now we have some thank yous to do. Okay, so thank yous. First off, big thank you to Ria Nero Bridge, who is a friend of mine who um, donated her vocals for the uh, Tossa Cred to Your DJ jingle that you heard in last episode and probably in this one as well. So thank you very much to her for doing that for us. Also, we've had a lot of people sign up to Patreon and we have been very, very grateful for this. It's helped with things like getting tactics cards for people as competition prizes, that kind of thing. So um, let's get through this nice and quick. First off, I want to say a big thank you to Panny Mouser, Emma Wolf, Trevor Craig, William Potter, aka Slave to the Whip, James England, Tiny Elliott, Dave Grant, Mr. Michael Monks. Uh, legend love this guy's involvement in the group very enthusiastic and he's also done artwork at cannabella as well uh, julian o'hare pig zero aka don wong adrian audette uh, tony howell the uh, the late kiblams uh thank you craig patrick murtar hieronymus flask yeah i'm not sure who that one is but that's the name that they've put down on the patreon jason turner ed reynolds jason brubucker all of you guys thank you so much for your support it has already made a difference to the uh, quality of the show we've got extra guests coming in and all sorts now that might have even helped with hive aid a little bit there so uh, thank you very much for your support guys and if anyone else wants to sign up and help support the show uh, it's patreon.com forward slash sump city radio or if you can't be bothered with all of that and you just rather send some cred straight to us uh, paypal you can do it through the email address that we have which is sumpcityradio at gmail.com again thank you very much um so that's it for this show i believe isn't it guys uh i'd like to um thank kev for obviously such an amazing kind of prize to be given away and for spending four hours with us talking bullshit about (laughs) you really really cool of you man thank you for both things very very much i've really i've I've, I'm, i'm over the moon that we've been able to uh you know, make somebody's day, or make two people's day by sending them cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, just, just having you here for all this time has been really fun. Well, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you guys for uh, having me on. It's great to sit down and just BS with uh, some Necromunda enthusiasts for a couple hours here. And, um, yeah, you know, this this podcast that you guys create, this content you create is worth so much to, to so many people, me included, absolutely. Um, so I, I love what you guys are doing, and uh, it's a great product, so thanks for making it. Oh, you're Sweet. more than welcome, mate. And, uh, yeah, I, I echo what Chris said. Thank you very much for, for your involvement. Thank you for being on the show with us. It's, it's been great having you here. I, I feel more fun. connected to you now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Okay, right. Um, And on the very last note then, Chris, before we disappear, the totals have come in from Hivaid. So we have a grand total of 1,527 credits as a result of Hivaid. Not bad, not bad. Now, the downside to this is that once you um, pay the bans, 
you uh, pay for the rigging, which, uh, by the way, Kyle Rigby, um, you need to start taking the stage down now because they are finished with it. They have finished uh, picking the litter from the area as well. And by they, I mean all the citizens of some city. They've just picked up all the litter that was left there. So, yeah, um, by the time we've paid for all of that, we're actually down about 75 credits at this point. So, I mean, it could have been worse, but, you know, the Guild of Coin are probably still going to want their cut. It's going to be yeah. so, I knew that Paul uh, Danson was going to come in handy though, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right, well, yeah, I think that might be knocking on the door from the Coin Guild right now. So anyway, let's wrap it up there, guys. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Sump City Radio. As always, I have been Hives Come Steve. And I have been Chris Underhiver in. And Kevin from Prometheum Forge. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Take care. And we'll see you Thanks next well. time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Sump City Radio. Join us next time for more hijinks in the hive and all things Necromunda. Remember to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. If you want to get more involved, join our growing Facebook community page. Just remember to answer all the damn questions. Do you want your letter read out on the show? Email us at sumpcityradio at gmail.com. And if your raids have been successful and you've plenty of creds to spare, why not toss a cred to your DJ over at our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash sumpcityradio. Every little bit helps support the show. And thank you for listening. This is the one, the only, Sump City Radio is a registered associate of the Hertzian Guild of Hive Primus and adheres to all communication laws decreed by Lord Halmar.